Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. What's up, Gypsy Gang? We are back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast and excited to bring you this one as I'm excited to bring you every podcast that we uh, that we make happen. My guest today is, I don't know, coolest rider in Supercross right now? Maybe. You make that argument pretty easily uh, and I feel like after you listen to three hours of Aaron Plessinger, uh, you might think the same thing. Uh, AP is one of the nicest, coolest, most liked dudes in the sport, and he had a breakout season uh, this season, coming off really two uh, two really bad years with Factory Yamaha. He's going to start and is just killing it. So um, I was excited, man. I was stoked to get AP on, and uh, yeah, this one was a banger. Um, before we get into the sponsors, just want to let you know about our new merch. We've been pumping out some new styles. We've got the... Uh, We've got the Fuck Jace tea, thank you Sam. Uh, we've got the Gypsy Gang tea, and then uh, just a bunch of plain logo stuff. We've never really done a logo run like that. So you can head to gypsy-tails or hyphen-tails.com. Uh, the merch link is in our bio, Pretty, I'm pretty sure, on Instagram, at Gypsy Tales Podcast on Instagram if you don't follow us there. Uh, and make sure you go and subscribe to both our YouTube channels, Gypsy Tales and Gypsy Tales Podcast. Gypsy Tales Podcast is where we're going to start posting these full podcasts here pretty soon. So uh, we're brought to you by the guys at MX Store. You can head to mxstore.com.au. Uh, I'm there weekly at this point as we train for our Man's Mutt race, getting the 350 in race-ready shape. Um, you can head to mxstore.com.au if you're not lucky enough to live around the corner uh, from their Burley Superstore like I do. Uh, then you just get on the website, mxstore.com.au. If you order before 2 p.m. on a weekday, you're going to get same-day shipping. So you might as well live it early, you know. Uh, We're also brought to you by the guys at Fist Handwear. You can head to fisthandwear.com. I want to tell you today about the new line of socks uh, from Fist. I've been running uh, the knee brace slash knee pad socks for quite a while now, um, while they were through the the development phase. And these things have just been insane right off the rip. I think I'm actually still running some pre-production ones even. Um, But yeah, fisthandwear.com. 
uh, you're going to use the code Gypsy Gang. It's going to get you 15% off. Uh, check out their casual socks and their knee pad socks um, from the website. You can also head to dixonquality.com.au. That code Gypsy Gang is going to get you 15% off one of the dope flannels that those guys produce. Uh, we're also brought to you by the guys at Boost Mobile. Uh, in my opinion, Australia's best prepaid service provider. $300 is going to get you 240 gigabytes of data. Um, that's the package that we run here. Um, and yeah, pretty much just set and forget. Uh, we're also brought to you by the guys at Cricks Tweed. You can head to crickstweed.com.au. Um, grab the number, give Kyle a buzz. He's the man there. Um, I think we're going to make some mods to the Triton. Uh, we've had it 12 months and it's time to maybe make a little bit of mods, freshen her up, you know, give her a bit of a look. So stay tuned for that. Um, those guys will get you dialed with anything you need, new or used vehicles, Crick's Tweed, one-stop shop. They're the homies. Uh, thanks very much for... Uh, also, if you go to manscaped.com uh, and use the code GYPSYGANG, you can get 20% off there, and that goes definitely towards helping the show. So thanks so much, guys. Aaron Plessinger, one of the good dudes. One of the good guys in this sport. Um, stoked to be bringing you um, these podcasts. Peace. Boom. Yeah, baby. <laughs> AP, baby. Yeah, boy. <laughs> dude you're uh man it's crazy like even from halfway across the world you can just like sit down you got that fucking cowboy smile that mustache that long hair and you just brighten my day right up <laughs> that's what everybody says i don't know what it is about hey. me that just brightens the room up <laughs> hey whatever it is you just gotta run with that shit bottle that shit <laughs> i'm trying uh. to right now <laughs> hey, uh, are, are we all good, Jacob, on your end? Yeah, we're good. We're good. You rolling? Dope. Go AP, on. dude. I'm uh, I'm so stoked that you're on this podcast right now, bro. You've had a crazy season. Feels like uh, feels like a lot of people counted you out after last year, and then you just figured some shit out this year, man. And you've uh, I don't know. I feel like this is your real breakout year, and uh. You're just coming in as like a fan favorite right now. It's so sick to see, man. No one deserves it more than you. <laughs> I appreciate it. And yeah, it, uh, it felt good to, to prove some people wrong. You know, um, everybody for the last two years, uh, I had, I, I had, I had high expectations coming into, uh, 2019 and then, you know, everything kind of just fell apart <laughs> and, um, you know, this, this year felt so good to just get out there and be able to run with the front guys and then, uh, get my first podium. It was like, I don't know. It, it, it should have been, this should have been my rookie year. This should have been the result of my rookie year, but, um, yeah, it felt good. Uh, this year has been unreal and I think it's about to even get better, um, as we move into outdoors, but yeah, it's, it's fun. It's, uh, it's a ride right now and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm feeling it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, man. Like I just, yeah, I can't say how pumped I am for you. Um, I think like the first time I w would have met you would have been just like pretty in passing, but it was when you first moved out to California and you moved into the grindstone compound 
and it was right after <laughs> uh right after like Wes and the Bird Boys moved out and then the grindstone compound deal started up and uh and dude all anyone said about no one talked about you as a writer everyone just talked about you as the best dude and i was just like man that's that's the go like when you've got a young rookie prospect and everyone's just talking about how cool he is like you sort of don't hear that a lot you know yeah yeah i mean uh man it, that brings back some memories um you know when when i did move into the uh the grindstone compound i lived there for quite a while um yeah carrying them them hooked it up um and i was staying with uh bradley taft and uh, we we had a good time i think uh still up in that top loft area is uh my name or i i wrote ap's room and then uh, brad wrote uh taft's taft's room on the on the one of the bars up there but um yeah man when i when i first moved out here it was uh it was strange for sure um I was trying to make friends and, and get into the, like the California scene, but I was like, so out of order. <laughs> I was like this East coast kid coming over and, and trying to fit in with the California kids. But yeah, it was, it's, uh, it's definitely grown on me a little bit, but, um, yeah, I, I, um, shoot. I don't even know what I'm saying. I lost train of thought. Kind of a brain. Fart, <laughs> it's a, it's such a big move though, right? Like coming like full country boy, Ohio, and and you you know you move out to California and you just there's like a for people that don't know what the whole Murrieta Temecula thing is about. It's like this is just a machine that's been going for a really 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 long time. Like you got the pro circuit, you got the Geico, you got the Star, the boy. Everyone knows what days, what tracks, like it's going and then i can imagine <laughs> that it's like a young ap gets in you've got all this new stuff to adjust to and then this kind of california trains like moving and then you've just got to like find a way to to fit in to the way that that kind of machine operates right yeah yeah definitely i was like almost thrown to the wolves um because i mean back back east I, I i did live alone a little bit in my camper uh at matt walker's but other than that i was kind of uh with my parents pretty much the whole time um and then coming out here my dad kind of just we drove out me my van and uh, uh crap ton of clothes and uh and that was it and then i took him to the airport and he said good luck <laughs> and um you know i i think uh i don't if it wasn't for like Cooper Webb and the, um, the, the grindstone kids and, and Taft, um, you know, I think I would have had a lot harder of a time adjusting because they kind of took me in and, and almost like, I don't know, they were my East coast buddies, even though Taft's from, uh, uh, Missouri or wherever around there, but, um, him and his mechanic, Jordan sits and then Cooper Webb, uh, they kind of just molded me and, um, I became really, really good friends with, with all of them. And it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was easier that way. I think because I, I had some days where I was just like, dude, I'm over this place. I'm ready to go home. Like <laughs> I need to get back to, to the East coast and, and, and do my thing. But, um, 
Yeah, they made it a lot easier. But yeah, like you were saying, it was it's it's so so much of a repetitive move out here. It's like Monday Elsinore, Tuesday Paula, Wednesday uh, used to be Milestone, uh, Thursday Glen Helen, Friday back to Paula. It's like everybody knows that too. And whenever a track does change, it almost or like when Milestone went away, it it everybody just moves to the next place. It's like move on or or like get lost. <laughs> but yeah, it is uh, it's wild how it works. And that's kind of the same with riders too, right? It's like, you know, you want to be <laughs> a lights dude, you pretty much got to go, well, now it would be Florida for the star guys, but it's like, you got to come to California and you just got to figure it out. This is the way we do things. This is the training you get on. And, and it's like, man, that, that SoCal machine either fucking eats you up and spits you out or <laughs> you figure it out and then you go on to do big things. Yeah. Yeah. And, and luckily I was the ones, one of the few that, that had figured it out. And, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a weird, a weird vibe, but, but if you get, if you get a hang of it, it works perfect. And if you don't, then you're struggling. And, uh, I've seen quite a few people just careers go down the drain because they just can't figure it out out here yeah what what's it like i mean i feel like i know the difference from being over there for so long but to people that maybe haven't spent the time in america or haven't spent the time on both coasts like in your opinion as a higher boy what's the difference between the east and the west coast like what why is it such a hard thing to get used to for guys like you ah uh, man over like out here it's it's so fast paced, you know, and for me talking personally, I, I feel like whenever I'm out here, I almost, it's not anxiety that I get. It's just like, I've got to be somewhere at a certain time, every, everywhere I go. And, uh, for me, that was just odd to do because I mean, I did have a schedule out in, out in the East coast, but it was more, it was so much more laid back over there. It's like, I don't know out here. It's like a rat race out there. It's like, you're just cruising down the road, like going to the track you want to ride or if wherever, um, you're surrounded by trees, you're, you're just doing your own thing. And, um, I feel like it's a little more, a little bit more secluded mm. and out here you, anywhere you go you see somebody that either knows you you know them or like uh, a mutual friendship and it's like it's odd because you never you never had that out on the east coast and you come out here and it's like everybody's in one little group this Marietta from actually from Corona down to Temecula it's like you can find anybody and then yeah. out there it's like from like New York to Florida and nobody ever sees anybody. <laughs> and yeah. it's, it's, it's just weird. It's, it's, it's cool, but it's weird at the same time coming from the East coast. Man. I remember when I moved back to Australia from America, like I was there for a long time. And then, and when I live 
before I moved back home, I was like living in like Beverly Hills, Santa Monica. Like I, I was kind of like right in LA and I fucking loved it. And it was like super sick. I'm <laughs> glad I spent that time there. But I got back to Australia and I was like, dude, I can do so much shit in one day now. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, that's, that's almost how like I feel out here or I felt when I went back to the East coast, it was just like, I don't know. Like I, I can, I don't know. I, I feel like I can do a lot more of the stuff that I grew up doing out there. And then out here, it's like sticking on one, one track, like laser vision to what I'm supposed to do, my schedule and this and that. Uh, It's, it's weird, but yeah, I reckon, I always said like in California you can get two things done a day. So like figure out the two <laughs> things that you you want to get done in that day. You've it, it's kind of simple in a way, but then other than that, you're in traffic, you're you know like dealing with bullshit. <laughs> There's just so much stuff that goes on. So it's like, all right, I'm going to ride today and then I'm going to go to the gym. That's it. There's not there's nothing else whereas like man, I'm sure like you know where you grew up it's like you could ride and go to the gym before 10 a.m but it's like dude california that's an all-day undertaking oh yeah yeah it's like uh i don't know it's like uh you do that you ride you go to the gym and then at the before you know it, it's what five o'clock you're getting home yeah. for dinner and then out in the east coast you can ride we i mean we used to walkers we used to ride for like, I don't know, it was insane amounts. And then you could get done riding and it'd be like three o'clock and we could do anything we wanted to, anything we yeah. wanted to and have a big bonfire, go out to eat all, all in one span of like an hour. And then yeah. out here, it's like, you want to go out to eat. It's you leave the house at like 4.30, you get to the place at like 5.30, and then when you leave the place, it takes about an hour and a half to get home. So you're like, damn, dude, come on. <laughs> yeah, nah, dude, I, I yeah, I full, yeah, fully, fully can appreciate that grind that you're in. And, and that's why I appreciate you coming on too. I know it's kind of late over there at the moment, but um, I, I actually didn't know that you spent a bunch of time at Matt Walker's. I I went there, I can't remember what year it was now, dude, but it was one of the funniest moments I've ever had in my entire life. <laughs> Wes Williams introduced me to Matt Walker, and I was like, hey, mate, how you going? And he goes, I like your French accent. And then he walked off. <laughs> it, was the <laughs> it was the best. It was like the best one-liner I've ever heard in my entire life. And he was wearing overalls with no shirt. And I was just like... I fucking love you, bro. <laughs> yeah, that is that is a Matt Walker move, dude. That dude is wild. I uh, I had no idea I that's what him. he was like. I just I thought it was the funniest shit. I'll literally never forget that till the day I die. Oh yeah, yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that was like a daily occurrence for you guys. Oh yeah. Yeah. We would get, we would get stuff like that every day. Uh, I spent, um, what was like two years there, uh, 13 and 14 and dude, it was so much fun. We, uh, 
we got into some shit, but <laughs> it was so much fun. Um, I would, I would, I would, I would never know when Matt was either happy or mad. It was, yeah. you were kind of just guessing every time. One time he, <laughs> he, um, <laughs> he called me, it was like six in the morning, dude. And I had just got, uh, my wife now, uh, she lived like 45 minutes. Um, she's a Georgia girl, right? North of Matt's. Yeah. Yeah. She, she grew up like, I don't know. It was like an hour or something away from Matt's. But when she, when I was going there, she only lived like 45 minutes and I would go up there and spend the night and then come back in the morning. And dude, it was like six in the morning when I got back and he calls me and he goes, what are you doing? And I'm like, I, nothing, man. Like, I just got back. And he's like, come up to the track right now. And I was like, all right. So I hopped on my Zuma. I, I raced up to the track like I was in trouble. I was like, stuff was running through my head. And I was like, what did I do wrong? What did I not do wrong? <laughs> like, what did I, <laughs> what's going on? And um, I get up there. He rides over on the tractor. He hops off. And he just looks around. He goes, would you look at this shit? This dirt looks so good. And I was like, are you, are you <laughs> shitting me? Like, I was like, yeah, it looks great. Like, what'd you need? And he was like, yeah, I just, I just wanted you to see it. And he just got done ripping a turn track. And I was like, dude, you had me, you had me on the edge of my seat, dude. Like, what do you mean? He was like, all right, well, Go back and get dressed. We're riding in 30 minutes. <laughs> I was like, all right, whatever, dude. <laughs> but it was like that shit all the time. It was it was awesome. I loved it. Yeah, dude. I, I remember being there and just like, I could not get a read on the guy like at all. And I feel like <laughs> that's like one of my fucking talents in life is like, I feel like I can get rapport with people pretty quick. You know what I mean? With him, I was just like, what the fuck? Like this guy, and I, the whole time I was like, this guy is awesome. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> and like, yeah, the, yeah, dude, that's, the that's, overalls, no shirt, just got out of a tractor. I was just like, fucking <laughs> sign me up, dude. Whatever the Matt Walker program is, just sign me up. Oh yeah, that's uh, that's that's completely a Matt move. And yeah, I um, I didn't know what I was getting myself into at first <laughs> either. Like first day there, dude, he was training these little kids. I was out there, we were doing this corner, and there were like probably, I don't know, five to 10, 65 kids. We we're hitting this corner and he pulls us off. He goes, uh, what'd he say? What'd he say? He goes, um, some of y'all are hitting this thing good, but some of y'all need to pack your shit and go home. <laughs> <laughs> kids on a 65. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, dude, what did I just get myself into? <laughs> and that was your first day. First day. First, like, couple hours of being there. I was like, dude, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. So what was the, what was, like, your, so everyone kind of knows your backstory of, like, you were pretty much like a woods dude and, you know, grew up doing the GNCCs and your old boy was a GNCC guy. Like, what was the route that you took that led you to Matt Walker's ranch? 
<laughs> oh man what'd you do wrong um, to get that <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh man it's it was a long one it was a long a long road of doing wrong things no um <laughs> uh i started actually the first uh training facility i went to was MTF, I think I had done like a couple of Ronnie Tishner schools, but the first one I went to was MTF and, uh, they were, they were all right. Um, I was on an 85, so I kind of like did whatever kind of messed around and not really trained like I should. But, um, uh, I was like 12 or 11 at the time. So I was like, just living life being a kid. And then, uh, um, <clears throat> I, fast track couple years I went I tried out uh club mx and I don't know what it was at that place but I mean it's an awesome facility like Brandon's awesome everybody's awesome there but um you know I just didn't gel with it that much I don't know if it was just because it was in like the middle of nowhere and I didn't really know anybody there but I only stayed there for a week and I, um, yeah, I, my dad drove the camper down. I, um, I don't know. It it was like, I don't know. It was way away from my house. Um, it was the first actual training facility I went to that I stayed by myself. And then, um, I just didn't gel with it that much. And there were some things that I just thought were off at the time. And then, uh, yeah, after I left there, I was kind of, my, my dad was just at an all, like I just left there and I didn't want to train there. So, um, he was just calling around like Ricky's and, and obviously Matt's and, um, Matt, I guess wanted me to come down because he knew I was an all right rider, like a top five rider. He thought I could really do some good. And I uh, called, <laughs> he called me and, uh, I forget what he said on the phone call, but he convinced me to come down and then, um, yeah, I just kind of loved it ever since, like, or ever, ever since I went there the first time I, I fell in love with it. Um, but my, my dad, he, he bought, uh, this place paradise off road park. It was like 45, I think it was like 45 minutes from Matt's and we went there once like that year the year before I went there before Minios and, um, we rode a couple of the tracks and I liked it. And, um, and then that's kind of how we got acquainted or whatever. That's how I knew him. And then, um, after that, yeah, we just went there and, and kind of clicked me and him clicked. We were, two country boys and, and uh, <laughs> ready to rumble you know we had we had some really really good times man it was it was a good that was one of the best years to date right now <laughs> so like that 14 15 pretty cool hanging at the walker ranch that well, was the uh 13 14 yeah uh, 13 15 14 I had, uh, yeah yeah 15 i went pro but that was I was I was so bummed when I had to leave there to go to California. Yeah, dude, <laughs> I told I him I was talk. like, he he, I think he was like texting me or something. He was like, dude, what uh, what are you gonna do? And I was like, ah, I don't know. They want me to go to California, and 
he like didn't text me back. I think he was, he was pissed or something. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I was like, dude, it's not my fault. But I sat there and thought about it and I was like, this is my choice. I'll, I'll do what I want. And I was like, I text him back. I was like, I'm not leaving. <laughs> and, uh, and then, and then two months later, <laughs> had to leave. <laughs> I was like, they were like, well, if you want to stay on the team, you're going to be in California. And I was like, um, all right, <laughs> whatever. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. I'll let you win this time. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's funny that you said before that you, it was like the first time staying by yourself at one of these facilities. Like it is kind of heavy that yeah. in this sport, we send kids to live in a fucking trailer in the middle of nowhere <laughs> with a bike and some gas and some chain lube. I'd be like, all right, man, <laughs> let's get it. <laughs> all right. Hey, here's some money. Here's your gas can. And here's, here's some sunflower the van keys. <laughs> <laughs> like if you, if you can't figure it out, you're coming home and you're not leaving. <laughs> No, yeah, but it's, it, it it's, it's gnarly, definitely, right? yeah, it's definitely like heavy for sure. And most of the, most of the time back then, like my buddy Ashton, he was, <laughs> he was like 15 or 16 at the time. And he was just living like in his little camper. His dad sent him down there and that's how I met him. Um, I was pretty set up. Like we had a, we had an eighth class camper and my dad just parked it there and, and I think it was like the biggest camper on the, on the lot at the time. And, uh, I, um, what am I trying to say? I'm losing train of thought. But, <laughs> that uh, outdoors, that outdoors Ashton, prep, bro. Dude, for real, it's got me drained. But, um, <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, Ashton was, he was like 15 and dude, he was changing it. He was riding a super mini doing like motor work, changing his oil, changing everything, doing his own mechanic to the fullest. And I had to like, I had to ask him to help me with a couple of things. And then, um, yeah, it was just like super weird to me just going down there and, and having to be my own mechanic because I, that was the first time I had ever had to do stuff like that um I mean I helped my dad in the garage but other than that like I never really did that much but I became a an all right mechanic other than not changing the oil for like two weeks <laughs> but um <laughs> yeah it's it's definitely I think it it's good in a sense but if I mean like everything if, if you don't figure it out it's it's kind of really really tough but if you do figure it out I mean you become a good mechanic you know how to work on your bike and then you become way more mature for uh, what a 16, 17 year old, because you know how to manage money. Now you know how to, um, you know, what, what you need at what times. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's a, it's a blessing and a curse <laughs> in some ways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely, I can see the, I can see like the, the positives of it when you get it right. But if you get it wrong, yeah. like, man, I could just see it. Like, I mean, have you seen some people, like, obviously you don't have to name names, but like, have you seen people where like 
they were those kids and then they didn't make it and then it just affected them like they just didn't have certain skills they didn't have like a good education they they never made it in racing like and then the sort of it spirals off their life kind of doesn't work out and you can kind of go back and you're like man if i could go back and tell you not to go there not to live at that facility and just to stay in school and be normal like i would have told you to do that yeah yeah i mean i i know uh i mean a few people i've seen just kind of not get it right and and just keep going down just the wrong path and and i think it's a lot of it i mean a lot of it does stem off of what you did when you were younger and then yeah i mean they just keep taking the same path that they did when they were younger the wrong path the wrong path and i think that becomes repetitive and then yeah i mean it's it's so easy to say like what if you mm. did take this path and and the right one and it stemmed to a lot of right decisions in your life but who knows that's different <laughs> yeah yeah so did you did you always think that you were gonna be a professional motocross and supercross rider like was that something you always thought was gonna be possible because it was like you were a pretty humble beginning sort of guy in terms of the career right like you were doing off-road stuff and you know like it was a it was definitely you, you had the star thing as an amateur you got lifted straight into that pro team so like there is some kind of like conventional stuff about the way that your career sort of worked out but then there's also a lot of unconventional stuff as well so like you know when you mix those two together did you ever think that you'd be in the position that you are right now uh i don't know like i thinking back now and and like trying to I don't remember what I thought I was going to be as a kid. Like I didn't think I was going to be a professional motocross rider. I always thought that was like, it would be like, it would be sick. Like, yeah, yeah. like ride dirt bikes for a living. But I was just like, that's like, that's crazy. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like it didn't really register with me that, that I could be that. And like we, I never, I was never really the one that was like fully into it. You know, I never, I never watched, um, the supercross races really. Uh, I watched them with my dad a little bit, but I was always out playing with friends and I don't know, trying to find new bicycle jumps to jump or whatever. Yeah. But, uh, I, I never really, I wanted to be, but I never really thought I was going to be. And, uh, my, after, like when I got offered a, like a professional off-road contract, I was like, Whoa, like that's sweet. Like that would be, that would yeah. be sick. And then that was the year that my dad, that was in, that was late in 2012. And when my dad, um, was talking to him and he was like, yeah, why don't we, why don't we try one year just going straight, like straight amateur nationals and we'll see, like, we'll go to the GNCCs when you have time, but we've never done a full year of just motocross racing. And that's when I went down to walkers and that's when I like 
turned everything around. I went to the, um, the spring nationals and I think I got like six championships in a matter of like two weeks or something like that. Damn. And that's when my dad was like, all right, I think, I think we'll stick here for now. And then that's when Bobby Reagan approached me and I didn't know who Bobby Reagan was. I was like, my dad, my dad was like, you know who this is? And I was like, no, <laughs> who are you? And, and he was like, well, my name is Bobby Reagan. And you keep riding like you're riding. You're going to ride for me someday. <laughs> and I was like, all right, sweet. <laughs> like, cool. And, um, and still at the time, like, I think I went after that and just hung out with my buddies. Like, I didn't know who, who he was or what he did. And, and, um, even if my dad did tell me, I, did, I really didn't know, like, other than, hey, he's a, like, big-time Yamaha 250 team. And I'd be like, oh, all right, sweet. <laughs> um, but uh, I rode, um, what? I rode Stars 250 and a Rock River 450 that year at Loretta's. And that's the year that I went uh, undefeated. And that was, that was awesome. That time at Loretta's like, I don't know, nothing could have went wrong. Like that year at Loretta's was so sick. Like out of, out of, out of everything that I've done, like other than like winning my first national or the two championships or whatever, that, that had to be like the pinnacle of my amateur career and even until up until I won the, the championships, like with how much fun I had and how much I enjoyed that whole week, that was the, that was like the limelight of my career. What I looked back to on, on what I did the greatest on that memory came up It still comes up. Like it, it was so crazy when, I don't know, I just had so much fun. I had, I had all my boys there just rooting me on and I was, it was so good. But, um, yeah, uh, <clears throat> onward with the well, story. What about, but, uh, what about after that? Like, what about that weekend? What, what do you think made that week so good? Cause that, that's pretty cool, man. Like Loretta's is, <laughs> Loretta's is kind of like a weird deal, you know, like the track's not the best. A lot of people say like, Oh, fucking if you're, Loretta's is the only thing that matters and then there's other you know what I mean like Loretta's is like a weird yeah, kind yeah. of thing but it's it is still super important and it is crazy hard to get it right like you always get a mud moto you always get the crazy heat like that it for the people that say it's not the best track or whatever it's like yeah but you definitely see some gnarly dudes show up and and it's like gnarly kids too which is crazy when you think that you give essentially your kids and you give them these super fast dirt bikes and there's a bunch of other super fast dirt bike kids and you're throwing all of the country's best guys in this one week and it's just like whoever like if you go like for example if you go six for six at loretta's like you're on some g shit <laughs> yeah like i don't know that's that's how i felt that week i i don't know i i think it was the the whole year just up until there and and there that whole summer dude like i had so much fun uh just training with with all my boys at at um at walkers 
training with Walker, like, I don't know, we, we would do our work and then we'd have fun after. And then we did that up until Loretta's and we would train, we would do our stuff. And then, um, once Loretta's hit, it was just like, all right, here it is. Like you, you've done the training and, and now you're ready for it. And like when we got there, we did this video, the practice, the practice day video. I, I don't know if you've seen it or whatever. It was me and Ashton Hayes. Um, uh, I think verb shot it. It was like, dude, it was like six in the morning and, uh, we went out on the track and we were just being idiots and it was, it was like, they were like, do, do you just have fun, do what you would do at any, I don't know, at any track walk. And, and just because the cameras were there, we were I don't know, 17 and, and like 15 and we just cracked up the whole time and they loved it. Um, like everybody still watches that video today and they love it. It's like one of the best videos and everybody laughs when they watch it. And, um, that was so sick. And then, uh, the, just starting off the week, like winning one of the motos, I think 450 B moto was first. And I drew like 42nd gay pick. Couldn't have been worse. Like I was like, dude, you kidding me? And like my mechanic at the time is, uh, Wes Hunter, he, he used to work for uh, JGR, but, um, he, we were both like, dude, come on. Like this couldn't have gone any worse. Like what, what, what do we do to deserve this? And then we lined up all the way out, all the way outside, literally ripped a second place start, got past the, uh, the dude in first. And I, I think I won that moto by like, I don't know it was like north of 40 seconds or something like that. No and way. I was just having so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, it was crazy. And the, the 450 B class was, was like that the whole week. I mean, um, I think I won by, I think the most I won by was like, I think it was that moto, like 40, 45 seconds or something like that. And then the rest of them were like 30 seconds. But it was so much fun. Like I, just knowing I had that lead, I was just like hopping bumps and jumping and throwing whips. And I did this one line in the, in the 10 commandments. It was like three in three and then four out. Um, I don't know if you, you remember, uh, Brodo cross. Yeah. 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 That's one of my four. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Eli. Yeah. He got, he got the the video right there. (laughs) Yeah. So he got a video of me literally, I think it was the moto that I won the championship. I went three, three, (laughs) and then four, and then somehow clicked false neutral in the air. And I cased it a little bit and dude, full like bars (laughs) to the stomach. Like I was up my, I was doing a Superman into that corner and then I clicked up and, and went on, but dude, it was so gnarly. And then, yeah, he got that. I think he posted it on, it was either Twitter or Vine or whatever. Cause I remember Vine was big back yeah, then, but, in. um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, well, we made some stupid videos in there, but, um, uh, yeah. And then after the races, 
I would just, we would just go and hang out. Like it was no big deal. Like we didn't care. We were at a amateur national, the biggest amateur national in the, in the world. Like we would just, me and my homies after we'd race, go out, chill, hang with whoever, like just ride the golf carts around, have a good time, almost get kicked out. Like it was a, uh, it was an epic week. Like we went swimming. Uh, I think I jumped off like a 60 foot bridge or something like that. And then <laughs> I found out there was like debris in the water and, and somebody else jumped off of it and like almost sliced their foot off. And I was like, oh, yikes, like the, that could have been me, but <laughs> I came out unscathed, <laughs> but it was just like, I don't know. It, it seemed to me like nothing could go wrong and I had the best time and I had so much fun. Like, I, I think what makes that different to like the championships or whatever, it's just in prof like in professional racing, you, you just don't get to have that much fun anymore. Mm. Like they're so... Yeah they're so like anti party or anti do what you want. They, they almost want you like, I mean, now you can't really get away with it, but back in the day, you, I think a couple of people did, but just like, you're, you're so far into this, like deep training, like mindset. Like if I don't do this, I'm going to, I'm going to not win. And if I don't do, if I don't, do eight 30 minute motos in a week. Like I'm, I'm done. I'm like not even going to do anything. And I think back then I was just like, whatever, like let's have fun. Let's, let's do whatever we want. Let's hang out. Let's, let's do what a normal 17 year old would do and then just race. Um, but it was, it was so much fun. <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was, a. It was a trip. I wish I had a video of that whole week and just compiled it and just saved it because I would watch it every day. <laughs> yeah, dude. I, I know what you mean. Like the, the, you especially, like when you went your first year 450, like I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like, God damn, that season must have sucked. Like the pressure <laughs> that you would have felt and you know the results aren't going your way you're just coming off two championships you're on a factory 450 team like dude i cannot see at any point in that season you having any fun <laughs> yeah that that you're correct on that like i did not really uh, until daytona i think i got like sixth maybe or no no atlanta I got fifth. Hey, pull, pull this fifth, up a little bit. And then again. Daytona. Oh, I got you. Yeah. But yeah, yeah Atlanta, I got fifth. And then that's when I had the most fun. I was like, yeah, like this is sick. And then I was like, my season's about to ramp. Like, let's go. And then Daytona, I was right behind me. Like it was, I think it was Justin Hill, um, Savachi, Osborne, and me. I think I was... I was, a, I was about to get him. I was about to roll him right over and flying like an eagle, dude. <laughs> I went flying and I, dude, there's a picture of me like full legs tucked and my arms are out like this. And I'm just like, oh shit. <laughs> and, and dude, oh, that was, that was rough. And 
yeah, I mean, before, before that, even I was just like struggling hard and could not figure out what was going on with the bike or with me or with anything. Cause at the practice track, I was always all right. Like never really lighting it on fire or whatever, but it was not really what I expected. And I was just kind of down on myself a little bit. And then once the season started ramping up, like it started to get fun. And then after Daytona, it was like, damn it. Like why? (laughs) And then, um, after that, yeah, it took shit four months. I think, I think that was four months for, it was like the, it wasn't even the bone dude. Cause I, I could walk on my, I could walk on my foot, but the incision where they made it at, dude, it, it didn't get infected. It was like, I can't remember how the, the doctor put it. It was like, got too much blood down there and it just killed the skin. Like really? I got pictures on my phone my my ankle or like the the L of my heel so they made a little like a four inch incision along my heel and then like a two inch incision up and the two inch incision like it healed over pretty well but I think it was like the fourth week I was out, I was, I was out here. I came from Florida to out here and then that's when I got surgery. And then it was like the fourth week I was looking at it. I was like, dude, this looks insanely wrong. Like my, all my skin was like black from like my heel to the middle of my foot. And the dude was telling me to soak it. Yeah. It was, it was disgusting. Like it was insane. Like I was looking at my foot and I was like, I'm probably going to lose my foot. It was insane. I, I don't know. And then I, he was having me soak it in salt water. And when I would do that, this stuff would, it would loosen up a little bit and it would look horrible. And I, one time I just started peeling skin and dude, so much came off. It was no way. It was disgusting, dude. It was disgusting. I put, I peeled it off. It looked, it looked a little bit better after that because all the black was gone. And I tossed it, and then um, I sent a picture to him, and he was like, "Yeah, that doesn't look really. That doesn't look right." And <laughs> I was talking to my trainer. And I was like, "Dude, yeah, like." I don't know what it looks like, but it does not look like something that's healing. Like this thing is coming undone. (laughs) This thing's coming undone. And I, um, I looked somebody up in Florida and uh, I was a skin specialist and I flew back to Florida. I was living in Tallahassee at the time. I flew back to Florida. I went to the ankle doctor, like not the skin specialist. I went to the ankle doctor just to see if everything was intact bone wise And at that time there was like a four inch like scab. It was like this long and then like half an inch high. I didn't know how deep it was. I just knew it was just a scab. And this dude peels this thing off. It's like a quarter inch deep. 
and almost to the metal in my foot, almost no to the plate, way. which is holding my, yeah, my, my heel together. And he was like, dude, if you didn't come here, uh, this week, like if you waited another week, we'd have had to do the surgery all over again. And he looked at me, he was like, dude, this, this is like the old school way to do the surgery, like the L shape cut. And I just, I just, uh, got it done, whatever. Dude. Yeah. That's so gnarly, man. Hey, um, hang on. We're just, the video's frozen real quick. Yeah. Sick. Jack, Jack in here, Jacob. Dude. Fuck, dude. That is wild, man. That's one of the things, um, I just, it's so hard. Like the average fan, I guess, shouldn't know those, not shouldn't, but there's no way for the average fan to, I guess, know exactly the details of that but it's like when you see like i didn't know that and it's like when you see a guy that's out there i guess like not killing it and not winning in the way that you think they should it's just like there's so much of this crazy shit that goes on behind the scenes that like it's if that happened to a normal person man like you know they probably wouldn't do the sport again that they kind of had that injury in you know good i think we good did you find that photo yeah i can i can hear him oh yeah i got tons now um let me find my favorites dude frick how do you guys so to 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 re so to recap the story um the so you have this crash at daytona you jack your foot up real bad you've got this crazy surgery that you've got to have to put some metal in your foot and then this this uh cut just like doesn't heal to the point where you almost have to have the whole deal redone yeah so uh, when yeah so i went to when i was out here this i don't know if you can see yeah point that's what it looked like damn dude yeah nah man that's what it looked like and then what this this was the bottom of my foot. I don't know if you can tell the bruise. Oh, yeah. So that was that was like the week, maybe two after the surgery. Um, this was a couple days after that. Whoa, dude! That, that looks yeah, like you got attacked by a bear. Yeah, and then it gets, dude. It gets worse. Like. That, oh my gosh. Um, so the Steri strips on there, right? I, yeah. I took these Steri strips off. Whoa. And I'll show you that. I'll show you that here in a second. This is what it looked like before I, I tore the skin off of it. Wow. Dude, it was insane. Like, that's some it was, gnarly shit. It wasn't getting like better at all it was just getting worse and worse and worse and this is what it looked like when i tore the skin off of it so it looks no way i mean it looks better than when it was on it but um this is how it like scabbed over whoa dude and that that is no joke man yeah that that this right here was 10 days after this. 
So it started scabbing over. I thought it was getting better. And then I go to the, that's when I got to Florida. This is when I got to Florida. This is on the doctor's table right here. Yeah. And he took and peeled the scab off of it. And I don't know if you can see. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Zoom in, like how deep it is in there. Oh. It, dude. And from taking the tape, like I had those seri strips on, I was taking them off and putting them back on so much because I needed to change the bandage that it started ripping my skin off and it was, dude, it was disgusting. So after this, uh, dude sent me to the skin specialist. I, he made me pack the wound. Like yeah, pretty much they call it, uh, shoot. I can't remember the name. Some solution that like, he told me like world war two or something like that. Some yeah. war they used to pack their wounds with like alcohol or bleach. It was, yeah. yeah, it was bleach and it would, I don't know, kill all the dead skin and regrow from the inside out. And it was, this was what it looked like when I started doing that. It was just all no white, way. all white inside. It was disgusting, dude. And then, so it didn't have it didn't have stitches like when you came out of that first surgery. It had stitches on the inside, and oh, I don't know okay. how. Like so, stitches on the inside and glue on the outside. I guess that was how they were doing it. Yeah. Because the scar or something. But I was like, yeah. After after a while, I was like, "Yeah, this scar looks a little bit no, more gnarly than uh, stitches would have." But um, so I uh, I went what was it, April seventeenth, and then this was May eighth. They had had me in there doing this stuff, and it like kind of closed oh, that up a little up bit. Good. Yeah, yeah. So this was almost a month after. That's and so gnarly. I had my mountain bike in. I was going cycling while I was um while I was packing this wound and stuff. And I was cycling and, and like mountain biking and walking on it, perfect, fine, everything fine. I thought I was about to ride when this thing healed up. And um he would what I didn't mention, he would after when I would go in there, I would go in there every like two weeks, I think every, yeah, two weeks. And he would scrape it. He would scrape it with this, like, I don't know, scoop and it would bleed like crazy. So he scraped it and this is kind of gnarly. He scraped it and it's still deep. Like it was still like. I don't know, like a centimeter deep or something like that. And I thought I was about to ride. I had my mountain bike in the back of my truck at that time. I was, I was going to go see him, go ride my mountain bike and then do gym later. He put me in this. Oh no. <laughs> For 
three weeks, three weeks I was in that. And dude, talk about some deep depression. Really? <laughs> I was, dude, because it, it had been, yeah, it was like three months at that time. Three months and I was going nowhere. I was literally yeah. going nowhere. I was training a little bit here and there, but I was just like sitting on my couch and which was a blessing at the time because I had my kid, I could hang out with him. I mean, I couldn't really swim because of the wound or whatever, but I'm a kid there and I was hanging out with the family and everything was good and it was sick, but it was just like every time I would think about, oh no, what about riding? What about Mm. training? I would just look at my foot and be like, dude, hurry the hell up. Like, yeah, get, get on the road. Cause I had Yamaha calling me. I, I had, uh, Keith McCarty was calling me. It was like, what the hell's going on down there? Like, what is wrong with your foot? And I, at the time I was like, dude, this thing is like shit. Well, what do you want me to tell you? I was, I was pissed that he was asking me that because he didn't know what was going on. I didn't know that he didn't know. And I had, I, I was like, dude, I'll send you a picture right now. And I sent him that and he was like, holy shit. Like, this is bad. (laughs) I didn't know it was to that extent. And, um, yeah, so it was, it was a hard time. For sure. Yeah. But when I got back, it, it made everything that much better uh, yeah. for a second. <laughs> and then I, and then I went and raced uh, Southwick. <laughs> first race, first race back was Southwick. I was like, why couldn't I have waited a weekend? <laughs> That's pretty funny. So when you're, you're in that, um, yeah, like you said, you're in kind of like that depressed sort of state i mean dude like i can relate to that as a dude that doesn't get paid to ride like i broke my hip last year man i went fucking crazy like i couldn't do jujitsu i couldn't train like man that was definitely like a tough time but i can imagine adding on top of all that is the stress of your rookie 450 season like i can imagine you're probably sitting there being like oh well there goes my career like one and done in the 450 class you know yeah yeah and that's kind of what i was thinking at the time i was like dude am i ever gonna come back from this i knew eventually yeah in my mind i was like uh, i'm confident i'm 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 coming back but in in like the slightest back of my mind, I was like, this was a, like a really serious injury. And I haven't really had a lot of these, like, like, what am I going to do? And mm. I was just kind of in my head about everything, like in my head about coming back and racing, um, in my head about like, cause a lot of people did a lot of people cut my pay. I was, I was getting my, a lot of my bills were out, out uh, outweighing my salary at the time. And that's, I was really? freaking out. I was like, yeah, it, there was like injury clauses in the, um, contracts. And it was like after five races, 
I was done. <laughs> like I was Dude. getting, um, yeah, not a lot from anybody. Um, so it was, it was tough. I was going like crazy in my mind. I was just like having everything running through, like, how am I going to pay for this? How am I, like, I just bought this house. How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? Like, yeah, I just had a kid last year. Like, uh, what, what am I going to, what am I going to do? Like, I got a family to provide for, like, I'm this close to going and finding a job around here. <laughs> like, I don't know when I'm going to be back. And if I do come back, I don't know if I'm going to be able to stay. <laughs> like, I don't know how my heel's going to do. Um, but yeah, at that time I was in a, in a dark place and I, I never wanted to go back there. So I just kind of, after my heel healed, um, dude, I did everything I could. I trained as hard as I could. I did. I flew out here. It was so many times just to test the bike, just to try and get a headway on anything because Dean, uh, Dean Ferris was over here riding for me. And then, uh, Barsh was out here and I, and I would ask them how, like how the bike, how the bike is and, and how it's going out there. And, and they would just look at me like, dude, it's not really, it's not really going great. Like mm. what we're doing out there is, is, uh, is the best we can do right now. And that had me freaking out when I came back and it was just like weird, but, um, yeah, I did everything possible in my power to come back and be the strongest, um, that I had been all year. And, um, starting at Southwick, not, not, uh, no, if you're move. injured, don't ever come back at Southwick. Like wait till the next round. <laughs> I, I assure you it can wait. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, it did get better. Like I did good or better red bud. And then, um, I think the last race I actually raced cause I, got sick at Ironman. Um, it was, uh, Bud's Creek. I went like nine, nine for eighth overall. And I mean, it was my first top 10 finish in the outdoors. So I was like, have a little like a celebration moment. <laughs> yeah. And then coming back from that, I was like, dude, come, let's go. <laughs> but, um, yeah, man, it was so tough. It was yeah, that's a, just, dude, Toughest the, year the whole yet. the whole injury clause thing, man. Like that makes me sad for our sport. To be really honest, like I, I mean, there's probably things that you would want to say that you couldn't say about that. So I'm sad for you. That shit's fucked up. <laughs> injury clauses, <laughs> like you, you're asking a dude to go out there and risk his fucking life, not just on the weekends. You're asking a dude to go out there and risk his life daily. Daily. Every time you step on a fucking motorcycle and ride, not just at the speed that you're riding, but at the speed that any of us go on any dirt bike, you can die. I've watched people die. It ain't no joke. And then you want to go and put a fucking injury clause in a contract with a rider that's literally giving you everything. And then you got a guy like you that's on the couch with a busted foot, 
that's like worrying about fucking mortgages and getting a job and he's like i ain't fucking cool with it so i mean i know you can't say a lot and i don't expect you to say a lot right now fuck that shit (laughs) yeah i mean i i don't agree with it at all um that's it's yeah i i just don't agree with it at all just to be doing something for somebody and if you get hurt doing it you don't get what you could have got if you didn't get hurt it's it's lame but they'll do what they do (laughs) yeah and was that the first injury clause you had in a contract yeah I, I so think, like no, nah, well, so like star racing, there was none. I think, I think there might have been, but I don't think it was ever enforced. Yeah, okay. I couldn't say fully, but I I know I didn't ever miss a race until then, um, until I broke my heel. So I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I honestly haven't heard of too many people where the injury clause was enforced. Um, and to that point too, you know, where it's like you're kind of tripping on, like thinking you're having to get a job. Like it's that's that's probably not the right thing <laughs> to do. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely weird for sure. And and when you when you make the big bucks for say you have a lot of bills that come with it you know and i don't think a lot of people take that into perspective um yeah i think a lot of people are just like you make big money you make big money you don't really yeah you you can pay for whatever (laughs) i think that's what most people are saying in their mind yeah so what like what are some of the expenses that you've got as like a top level dude that the average person probably wouldn't know about yeah i mean so i obviously the the family in itself um but uh that is a given you know i would i would pay anything for them but um uh house um obviously trainer for sure uh that's one of the bigger ones, um, you know, flights on the weekend, you, you do get, uh, like a per diem or whatever, but it's, it usually covers about, I mean, the flight, <laughs> the flight yeah, and, yeah. and, uh, maybe your food, but, uh, you know, rental cars every weekend. Uh, it's, it just so all adds all up. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. You just, you, you get paid and then, yeah, you get paid and then you get, uh, like a, it's almost a check every weekend for, uh, it's just a per diem. And, um, it's, uh, you don't really, you don't send in what you spent on the weekend. You just, they just give you a flat little check or like a little add on. And then, um, yeah, you got to book everything. Fuck, I didn't know that. That's when uh, when we were doing the JDR thing, like everything was just taken care of on our end. I didn't know that you guys had to do that. Yeah, it's it, it it's stressful at times, but I 
I have had, uh, like I choose to like book my own hotels. Um, yeah. Like there is somebody that, that can like book them for you, but I, I take care of that myself just because I like staying at the track and, and, uh, like closest I can get to the track. And, um, you know, like, especially for outdoors, having to be there at 7am. Um, yeah, I definitely like to get there and, and have a place that's at least 15 miles closer to the track. Uh, not staying yeah. like by the airport or anything like that, but, uh, just, it's, I don't know everything else like your flights and, and everything um, I've I've had to do for for my whole pro career yeah right yeah I didn't didn't know that were you um were you kind of put up to the 450 class earlier than you wanted to be like did, was there like any contract stuff that said like you had to go up after you won championships or or how did how did that work like would you probably have stayed in the 250 class a little bit longer looking back on it now or I uh, yeah I I um so I was signed to stay um stay 250 for 19 because yep. I wanted to I I wanted to um defend yeah, defend my my title, and then I was gonna go ride 450 outdoors uh, under yeah. Star Star's tent, but um, uh, stuff got mixed up when uh, Coop left, and uh, um, Yamaha uh, they were, I think they just thought that I would be the best fit to come up, um, so. I uh, initially wasn't going to do it, but some things got switched around and, and I ultimately, yeah, I, I had to go up and, uh, yeah. I was, I was excited at the time, but looking back now, I would have stayed for sure. Yeah. I would have, yeah, I would have okay. stayed and, and, uh, and sought out what the what the star 450 could really do outdoors <laughs> yeah 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 sorry if the, i didn't know if that if that's not public knowledge or anything either like we don't have to put that in i didn't know if that was um i, I yeah. mean it's it's all right yeah because yeah i, I mean care. i mean it, it was a um yeah like that whole so i know ferris really well obviously like from being over here mm-hmm. um and i know like he's super super well i mean I'll preface all of this with the fact of like, okay, factory Yamaha under the Keith McCarty program, it hasn't really done literally anything at all. You, Basha, like Coop. (laughs) So that's not you saying that. That's me saying that. And it's quite obvious, like everyone has sort of said it. Then they switch out the program to star. Ferrandis podium first round. Mookie got on the podium. You got on the podium. All right. So it's we go oh wait maybe the 450 wasn't a piece of shit like we all thought it was maybe there was something (laughs) else going on and then uh i heard from people that so i know i've ridden ferris's bikes before very funky setup like he his forks like don't really move like he's just not that's that's how he likes his shit and uh 
So I had heard that when he got there, he said like, hey, this is exactly how I like my bike. And they were like, oh, cool. We don't give a fuck. <laughs> this is how you'll run. Here's what you got. <laughs> yeah, this is your bike, dude. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so that's, uh, I, we all saw how that season went. Cause like high point the year before he flies over with literally a 450 in gear bags his cdr bike with his his whole deal gets on the podium dude i don't even think people knew ferris raced the year that he rode for factory yamaha did that <laughs> shit so it's like he went from that to that so i think with all that being said there's obviously like some some stuff within that program but like were you able to make any changes the way that you wanted to and then like how different i think people are i think it's obvious just based now on results but like what can you speak to of like the way that those two bikes are different like the star 450 and the factory mr 450 um yeah i mean it's it's i don't know there there's there's so much different it feels like it feels like a totally different bike. It feels nimble. It feels light. Um, the, the factory 450, it, it felt like real bulky and just heavy and not, uh, not ideal to really move around. Like you couldn't really lean it where you wanted it to. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I was, <laughs> I didn't really whip the bike that much because it was, uh, <laughs> it wasn't really too light. <laughs> I mean, not, not that I'm the whipper at all, but I, I didn't really throw the bike around that much just because it was, it was really, uh, hard to maneuver. But yeah, like I like my bike, uh, similar to Dean's. Like I like my bike squatted out in the rear, like almost like a chopper. And, um, yeah. And forks, I mean, I want them to where I can just almost come into something wide open, squeeze the front brakes, and they'll, like, kind of absorb everything, but yeah. not get low. Yeah. Um, so, so can, I just, can I just pause you there real quick before we keep yeah, going on that? Yeah. So, I, ju- I literally just had a set of Ferris's forks in my bike for a while, just, like, waiting for, like, some <laughs> other shit. And it was terrible. But um, how, like, so I could feel, <laughs> I could feel the advantages of that, right? Like what you just, uh, and full disclaimer, not that good. Don't know if you ever see me ride. I'm an average rider. But uh, <laughs> I could see the advantages of like what you just described. Like you can fucking slam the front brakes and you can like really hit shit hard. The thing that I couldn't deal with though, and I'm very curious to hear like the workaround or like how you deal with it at your level. It's probably the answer is probably just go faster, which fair enough. <laughs> but it's like, how do you how do you feel like the uh, the I felt like there was just no front wheel grip on anything. Like I couldn't really like it wouldn't stick into turns. I couldn't really trust putting any weight on my front wheel so like i don't know how do you get around that like how do you have the the super stiff front end feel um but then actually have it actually feel like it sticks to the ground so i um the way i like hit my corners usually is i like to i like to come in like really hot and then i'll i'll almost 
when I go to transition from taking my feet or like my foot off the peg to just sticking it out to go around a corner, I'll almost hop up and, and just like land on the front end, like on my gas tank. So I think in that moment it, it compresses and then like, I like it kind of slower on the rebound side. So I think when it compresses, it almost gets stuck down just enough stays down to where, yeah, yeah. And I, I apply like a lot of pressure on the front end and when I'm squeezing the front brake, it gets a little bit lower, not like usual guys where like Webb's bike or I think I've seen Osborne's bike just get so like this and then they'll like knife the front end and go wherever they want. I, I can get all my weight on the front end. It goes down just a little bit. And then the first little like acceleration bump, I guess I'll hit it and then I'll just try to stand up and just ride the back end. (laughs) It's weird. (laughs) Tall guy, tall guy shit. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that was actually, that was actually going to beat. We might as well just hit that now. That was going to be one of my questions at one point. Cause you're six, two, I'm six. Oh, um, what, what's your, like, what's your tall guy technique tips? How do we get Langstank? Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> that's my, that's my tall tight, boy term, Langstank. <laughs> <laughs> keep the kit. Well, in the ruts, keep that shit tight because dude, when you, when you get, when your feet get ripped off, it's like, I don't know for for a short guy it'd be like getting both their legs ripped off when you just get one ripped off because one of my legs weighs about (laughs) 60 pounds (laughs) 70 pounds so it's like uh, (laughs) it's like real deal kind of trying to bring that thing back up but um yeah i i ride i ride a lot different than than everybody else but dude i just stand up i just i i like standing up i've done it ever since I was little, my dad used to take off my, my seat and, um, just tell me to go, go ride, go ride till you can't stand up anymore. (laughs) And, uh, that's what I used to do. And, and it's definitely helped me along the way, especially if you're outdoors. Um, but yeah, like I think for, for a tall guy, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot more energy usage. Yeah. Um, like say for like like Coop and and like Alex Martin, Jeremy Martin, like they can maneuver around the bike. I feel like a lot easier, but they don't have as much leverage as we do. Yeah. Like yeah. I can take the bike and put it wherever I want to whenever I want to. When I mean when it's working right. Um and I think if they try to do that, I mean they can for a little bit or for like in certain areas they can do that. But if you're just trying to manhandle that bike, like you got the leverage to do it. All you got to do is lean this way, lean that way, hang your leg off this way, or just like do whatever you can to, to get it there. And and it usually goes, but, um, I think, I don't know the length, the length stank, is the way to go in my eyes. (laughs) (laughs) 
And so what about like a like a standing attack position? Like when you're standing, like what are you thinking about to get in the right position standing? Because I think that's, pro- that's probably been like the biggest thing I've been working on. Like I got like two things I'm working on technique wise at the moment is like a real good stable attack position while I'm standing. But I feel like I just stand real tall. Like I just struggle to get like i don't know fit low enough it feels like um and then just that just like head over the front and like chest to the bars and like actually letting my arms you know cause i feel like when you're a shit rider you like constantly feels like you're pushing the bike away right and then it's like that sort of motion but then like guys that are like the better riders they're like they're pulling the bike like the bike is sort of always like their arms are always kind of like this as opposed to like this, you know, but it's just, I don't know. Like, is there something you think about to get into that position to like, let the bike come like close to your chest? Um, yeah, I mean, every, almost every like, uh, on bike trainer is going to tell you just stick your ass out, like stick your ass out. I mean, it's, it, it was, I mean, it, it came easy to me cause I, I had to like duck to get under trees or whatever, but, uh, but I got that bass bro shop background boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. I have a bass, pro, uh, bass pro shop hat at the, uh, at, at the house. I was going to wear it, but I figured uh, <laughs> I bet you do. Figured baby. I wear the Monster Energy. <laughs> 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 Haven't got that sponsorship just yet. <laughs> hey, we we need to get you on with Noah Gregson, bro. He he's got that Bass Pro Shop hookup. He's a fan of the show. We'll get we'll get you on board. Let's go, baby. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> you, you know Noah, NASCAR driver Noah. <laughs> ah, I'm not sure. Yeah, Noah I mean, Gregson, I've, dude. He's I mean, I'm sure. Dude. I'm I'm sure I've seen him. I'm sure I've seen him on the TV before, but yeah, I'd like to. Uh, yeah, you seen, like to bass, you seen that bass? You seen that bass pro shop whip for shout? Hell yeah, baby! I know it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it, it it came it came natural to you because you you dodging trees. But for the people that it didn't come natural to, what's the advice? Yeah, just uh, <laughs> it's gonna sound weird, but just make it make it feel like you're you're trying to just stick your ass out bend your legs and and i always try and keep my elbows up i'm a big i'm a big elbows down kind of guy so it's uh i've i've always struggled with just keeping my elbows up which i've i work on it every day i ride i try to just keep elbows up and then um balls of your feet or yeah the balls of your feet on the pegs Mm. is is a big thing and then that'll that'll kind of help you squeeze the bike a little bit more and then once you bend your knees you're you're straight in your back and and your your ass will point right out <laughs> and then just get on the gas get on the gas my dad my uh i think my dad always said uh shoot just just ah frick just pan it out or something like that. He he would always he would always do these interviews and just say something about holding it wide open. <laughs> I can't remember the lingo. It's pretty, he used it's pretty to good say, advice. But, 
Yeah, I guess he was he was gnarly, dude. <laughs> he would he loved <laughs> he loved riding in the mud and and uh, he put that two stroke to uh, to hell and back try to win those races. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to um, I want to talk to your dad uh, about your dad in a bit, but so we we sort of got on that tangent by talking about like the kind of Yamaha setup. So you you know exactly how you like that front end that works with your style. What was different about what you wanted versus what you got um it shoot it was just like so bound up what i was riding it was just like it, it felt so bound up and and not working together it was like the forks were always working against the shock and then it was it was like a a teeter-totter and then with the weight of the bike being so heavy it kind of exaggerated it a lot and then it was just not not ideal in like outdoor (laughs) or or the whoops (laughs) at all um it wasn't wasn't really ideal anywhere but like wide open and smooth that was that yeah. was the best it was uh it was so it was like for practice it would be pretty good and then come the first moto you'd be like dude what what's going on <laughs> what am i riding right now yeah. and then yeah that that by then it's too late and then you can't really do much about yeah. it but uh now everything seems to be working better it, it it almost feels like i'm riding my 250 back in 18 um it's it's a little bit more squatted in the back and and uh yeah everybody's got their hands full for outdoors so i'm just telling you right now <laughs> put your money on I the number seven shit. baby <laughs> i love that shit <laughs> Uh, lucky seven baby lucky seven um yes, and so what was like the what was the um like you'd give the feedback of what you wanted and it just didn't get implemented in like the right way or you know so because you got a few dudes on the team and they're kind of saying the same shit like when you look back at it now what do you think it was that was kind of like stopping that feedback from happening because again it's like Ferris got on the podium as a privateer, then like you come off championships and Barsha, like now look what you've done, you know, now that we've got hindsight as a as a tool to look through, you know, Barsha's killing it, you're killing it. So it's like what what yeah, I guess why was those changes not made, do you think, if if you knew exactly what you wanted? Um I don't know. I I've I've thought about it. Uh a million times and it was I don't know like who it was but it's something uh, some somewhere along the lines of the team somewhere in the team our input would just kind of like fizzle out it was it was like if it's, I don't know if they didn't know how to do what we wanted or if 
they like didn't really want to allow it, but what we, what we wanted was never really the option. Like I, it wasn't, I don't know. There were times that I thought the bike was, was getting better. And then I would go ride a different track, say East coast track. And it was just like, nah, it's, it's kind of the same. And I don't know what I knew. We knew what we wanted, but it was just never really implemented into the bike. And it's hard to say where that got mixed up or lost or, who wouldn't do it or who couldn't do it. It was, it was just never there. And, and so what is it like to be a rider that's won championships and is like entering, you know, cause your 450 career, you, I don't know if people know, but like your 450 career is like, that's where you get to make some fucking money. You get to sign mm-hmm. your own gear deal. You get to sign your own goggle deal. you like, you have a bit more control the money that comes from the factories is bigger and then like you get to this team and then it's like you're just not given what you think that it you're just not given what you want to have it's like how gnarly is that to and then you deal with a crazy injury like how gnarly is it to deal with that every single weekend yeah it was it was a it was a slap in the face for sure. It was like I don't know, it was like being on the top of the world and then like your king tut and then coming in and your kingdom just got taken over and you were slapped back down <laughs> to uh down to reality and then you just kind of had to work your way back up but it just you kept falling a long way (laughs) that's the best way I can put it it was just like I was up here and then I was still up here and then the season started and it was just like boom 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 it was like just down here and then I just had to kind of try and work my way back up but never really did at the end of the season it was just like one thing after another thing after another thing and it was just like when when's it gonna end and then yeah the next I mean last year too same same deal like I was getting better and Daytona I got sixth and and then they called the season and it was like I I didn't know what to do I kept training whatever I kept I trained my ass off but I never knew when the season was gonna start it back again so I was just like living life and taking it easy and um yeah when the season did start back, I, I mean, I was in shape, but I went to Utah and like the bike was not really where we wanted it. And, and, uh, 
not to mention the Yamaha. I mean, still, it's kind of not worked the greatest on hard pack stuff. And last year it was like even worse. And I remember me and Justin were just so, so over it by the end, like the end of, uh, Utah, it was just like so bad. I mean, he went, (laughs) he went for a, a damn ride. Like, uh, I think going through the whoops one time, he got whiskey throttle and pinned it off the backside of one of the berms and hit the wall. It was, uh, it was a struggle for sure. And I didn't, I mean, I don't know if I, I think I top 10, one of them, but other than that, it was just like, insane. it was crazy to me. It was so crazy when, when we showed up there, I was, I was, I was confident I was going to be at least top five. And then once we got out on the track, I couldn't even do anything. I got lapped the first motor or the first main. <laughs> it was, it was horrible. And it, it was, it was bad. And then yeah, we went to, I, I mean, it's like a, Oh, sorry. Go on. Oh, like it's just, it's just a, I think we're going to look back in like a few years time. And, and I mean, like you're still on Yamaha and you know, so it's like, it's obviously, you know, you can't say a bunch of shit, but it's like, I think we're all just going to collectively look back at like that little era and just be like, the fuck was going on there? It's <laughs> like, <this is> just <laughs> weird at this point. <laughs> like, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely was. There was a span of just nothing going on on uh on on blue on 450 it was uh just nothing and when when jgr went suzuki it was like really nothing going on for yamaha and then when we got on there um still not really anything and then now it's kind of ramping back up and it was yeah. just like a, it's like when the stocks take a big old dip. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. just like, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. And, and so where was your, um, where was your contract at, at the end of last year? Like, was your contract up with Yamaha or did you have time on your contract and then star took it over or did you your contract was up but you signed with star no so i had um i had three years uh with yamaha okay so yeah when i signed and fuck you got lucky star took it over (laughs) 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 did you hey you landed on your feet in a bad way at daytona but then you landed on your feet in a good way in 2021 Uh, yeah you ain't kidding (laughs) yeah that uh it was definitely a a turnaround i think what i said uh the guys it was like ricky it was carmichael and then the lee diffie uh yep 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 we had a we had a facetime and um they were just telling me like what was different in the points from last year to this year and i think i was like in 11th or something and then 
I I can't remember what the points were, but this year I was in like sixth and I had 26 points on what I, yeah, what I had the year before. And they were like, dude, that's, that's impressive. <laughs> that's a big turnaround. Yeah, that's a turnaround on the same machine. Like, yeah, it's crazy. It was, I was like, damn, that's, it's like a, a race win to a DNF, <laughs> like 26 points, yeah, yeah. a lot of points. And yeah, like, dude. And so what, it, what is it about? I mean, obviously like you had to feel good just purely based on going back to star. Like you had so much success there, even though you were riding a bike that like, actually have you, had you ever, ever rode a stock Yamaha either? Like, did you ever ride a stock 450 or was that never a thing? Like you just get given like, Oh, this is like the bike and then we'll like test and make it better. Yeah, uh, we, in 2019, n- no, we never, I never rode a stock one. It was always um, what they had on the bike at the time. And then we would add like parts to make it just make it better. And then they would come up with new parts to test to, to try to make it better um so we always were on the factory bike it was never um it was never a stock bike and what what are your what are your thoughts on that because i personally being a dude that knows sweet fuck all i i feel like you should probably like know the stock motorcycle that you're on first you know it's like that's the bike that you guys are pretty much trying to sell like when you're out there on supercross track and outdoor track it's like hey buy my 450 that's pretty much what you're doing for 30 minutes you're riding around southwick <laughs> just riding past the crowd being like buy my bike buy my 450 see this 450 you should buy this 450 this 450's fucking dope <laughs> but it's like you've never even ridden one of those things oh yeah it, yeah i uh it's I thought like, but, but do you think it matters? Like, we do you do. think that you should ride one? What's that? I, yeah, I thought, I, I thought that was what we were going to do. And I think, yeah, definitely. Uh, it'd be a good idea before you start throwing stuff on it. Like I, I, if, if it were me and I was just going out and buying a bike and, and starting to ride, I would, I'd buy the bike. I would go ride it. And then kind of configure what, like, half-assed what I would need and not need. And then I'd probably go throw suspension on it, throw my bars on it, throw whatever else I need on it, and then go ride it again, fill it out, see what else I need or don't need, and then go from there. But I wouldn't I wouldn't go buy a bike, throw everything on it, and then... Uh, not even know what the baseline bike feels like yeah 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 because that that's that's a thing that i've thought about for a really long time and i think that i think it's one of the reasons that ktm has so much success as a race team is because that factory edition bike that they're on like they're using the same clamps as stock you know what i mean like I mean, well, they're using clamps that fit the 52 millimeter forks, but it's like, it's the same (laughs) shit. Like that whole bike is like 
I, I think that they've purposely done that. Like they've purposely developed those bikes around the race team so that when the race teams get it, there's just like less shit to do and there's less things that can go wrong. And I know like I'm real good friends with Mike Sleater and he was testing for a long time on, uh, with the R and D team, not the race team. Uh, Ryan Morris did the race team stuff and then Sleater did the production stuff. And there was like a lot of conversation. There was times where Sleater would go ride Dungey's bike. Dungey would ride the, it wouldn't be like the production bike, but it would be where they were at with the production bike, if that makes sense. And it was like yeah. that, that to me seems like the move. It's like, you've just always got this baseline to, to go back to. Um, and it seems like a, a bit of a trap to just go like, this is our A kit. This is our like best version of this bike that we can give you with all the fruit on it. But then it's like, you kind of don't like, you don't really know where to go. All you can do is kind of go around in circles from there. It, it doesn't seem like a linear, like go back to production. Here's factory. It's like a slight, you know what I mean? There's no sliding scale of like, this is production. This is factory. Let's fucking get to here. Like, let's move on this scale. It's sort of like, this is factory. And let's just like cruise around here until we land on something that feels good for you guys. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it was. And I mean, when you look at it, um, I didn't really realize this. And I was like, <laughs> when I did realize it, I was like, why didn't I think of this ever? And my KTM slogan is ready to race. Like they build bikes that are ready to race. I mean, you, the idea of is, or the idea of it is you buy the bike and you can literally take it from the shop out to the racetrack and it'd be good to go. Like you're ready to, ready to rumble. But, um, yeah, like, I mean, I think you can do the same thing on a Yamaha, but not at you just a, never got the chance to do it. <laughs> yeah. Not, not at a professional level. I think, um, yeah, I think it's yeah, a lot a lot of stuff's different. A lot of stuff yep. it was it was different at the time. Like now it's it's 110 times better. Like Yeah, and then so just, I guess describe <laughs> that that yeah, like describe that process then. And again, like this is this conversation is now happening with you as like a 450 podium dude and a guy that like you almost won some races and once you hit you stayed you stayed hot you got hot you stayed hot and you know so it's like this conversation we're having now is like with a lot of extra information and like the proof is in the pudding so like what what was the transition to go to start and then like how's how was like the whole philosophy around the motorcycle different and then how does that lead to the results that we saw i yeah i mean i i knew right away um i knew right away as soon as I got on the bike, like obviously I was coming back from, uh, uh, broken wrist and I, um, I got on the bike known it was, it was already better. Um, I went and rode like two weeks on outdoors and, um, I, I even, I even called Bobby and was like, I, I think you're going to win some 450 championships like sooner than you think 
and uh he was really like, really? like that's sick why is that yeah he was like well, why why do you think that i was like dude the bike is it's good like it's really good and then i was only on it for like two weeks outdoors and then i went to supercross and i didn't i mean i didn't really change a lot i didn't change much at really? all yeah it was they had a, a baseline and I obviously tweaked on it a little bit, but until like we really started racing, I was on that same bike pretty much from the time I started riding it until we went to Houston and still there. I don't, I don't know. I don't remember changing a lot, but we definitely took it and, uh, like tweaked it a little bit, but it was just good. And I, I mean, I had two years under my belt that, that I didn't really know what to do. And every time we kind of changed it, I was like, what do you guys see? And this is what I feel. And mm. they were like, all right, well, we can figure that out. And we, we figured it out, um, every time, but it just kept getting better and better and better. And then obviously I started getting better because I didn't really have that much time on the bike. Uh, I think I can't remember when I started riding, I, I broke my wrist in J- July, I think it was or June, somewhere around the J month, <laughs> June, July. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I broke it. Took me three months. So I started riding, I want to say November, October, somewhere around there. I, I can't really remember, but I didn't have too like much time on the bike. And then <clears throat> my fitness started getting better as the races started getting better and just clicking off here and there. And, and I had a really, really awesome week leading up to, to Daytona and man, that, that race was, it was awesome. <laughs> I mean, it, it, uh, I, I got a decent start it was not the greatest I mean if you look back at it me and Eli were kind of in the back of the pack until everybody went left and then Coop took a v-line to Roxon, <laughs> and then uh we just <laughs> snuck around the inside and um yeah after that I was like dude let's go <laughs> like I, you're in second like or third at the time Coop got around me and I was like I can get him. I got him in the heat race. And then I took the sand corner and got him. <laughs> if you look back, like my leg comes out and I, it looks like I'm trying to kick him. <laughs> yeah, dude, I remember that. <laughs> I was getting loose, dude. That's how you know when I'm riding good and you know I'm having fun is when, when my limbs start kicking out or <laughs> I start getting a little sketchy. Like it... It, uh, I get loose, but, um, yeah, that race, just everything about it was, was sick. I mean, um, other than the, the last, uh, rhythm section, but 
it was it was sick and I did I didn't really know what I was doing up there that I'd never been up there I maybe a heat race or two but other than that I had to learn everything on the bat like on the on the track and on the I was fly, just yeah yeah it was so quick I think I just tightened up at the end of the race and I was like dude you're podium podium like oh my god I'm freaking out like uh, ah. and then yeah I messed up the last section but I still got third I was like dude I was mad like on the finish line and then when I landed the finish line I was like podium let's go <laughs> Oh, sick. Yeah, dude. I mean, I don't know. I feel like you getting a podium and Malcolm getting a podium were like the two feel-good stories of this Supercross season, you know? like, And then, dude, you get on the podium and you do it for Dale Line and you just <laughs> nail the podium and it's like in Daytona, you got the monster can, you got the mustache, you got the fucking hair out the back and it is all doing <laughs> its thing. <laughs> dude, it was, it was so funny. Like I, I knew I, like I knew I was going to do good the, the night before I was like, I was like, dude, we're here. It's, it's time. It's time to get redemption. Like I was just sitting on my bed. I, I, uh, wasn't really doing much. I was chilling. I just ate dinner and I was like, I'm going to shave the mustache in. I think it's a good time to do that. It's, it's Daytona. It's, it's bike week. Let's shave this mustache right in. And I, it could not have looked better. And then I go out and podium and that's when I was like, I thought about it and I was like, I just want to, I just want to come here, come up here and show the mustache off, show the mullet off. And then, <laughs> and then I, I got like kind of nervous and, and w- didn't know really what to say. And in the back of my mind, it was just like, do it for Dale. And I was like, do it for Dale. Woo! <laughs> and dude, the, the stands, <laughs> the stands, I thought they were gone. It looked like everybody was gone. Like they they were funneling down into the um into the uh, uh like the grass stairway area thing. Yeah, yeah, well, like the stairway on the uh the grandstands, and then all of a sudden, dude, this roar came, and I was like, "Whoa!" Like I thought everybody was gone. That's sick. And then everybody got a kick out of it. I loved it, man. It was it was sick. It was. It was a good, good time. I still got that trophy. I think it's in my camper still. I got to grab that the next time I'm there. <laughs> it's in Georgia. <laughs> Dude, it was, uh, yeah, it, w- it was such a cool moment, man. And, I mean, I've always been an AP fan, but there was something about seeing you on the podium with the mullet and the mustache. <laughs> and it, it just, it's cool to know this is one of the the things I wanted to dig into in this podcast was like, was there a point where you said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm country. I'm country. (laughs) I'm here. I want to have a good time. And you said before you were like, when you're pro, they put you into this box and they put you into this serious trainer and they put that. This is the square that you got to operate and mustache wearing mullet boy. 
do it for Dale on the podium. We ain't seen that in that box for a long time. <laughs> and it's like, it, it must be, it, it's a, it's a risk, man. Like it's a risk to take, like for you to, for you to put yourself out there in that way, shave in the mustache, run the mullet, say that shit on the podium. It's like that, that ain't standard. But when you did it, everybody, everybody just went, yes, yes, <laughs> we needed this. Yeah. It's like, I mean, it was, it was, I don't know. Like I, I've, where I grew up was like country and stuff. And then, and then obviously moving out here, I've had my different looks. I've tried out different looks. I've tried the, the skater look, the whatever look, and it just doesn't sit right with me. And, and yeah, I think now I'm just like, whatever I am. I don't want to try to impress people anymore. Like this is me. And if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you can get the hell out of here. <laughs> like I just, I don't know. Like I, this is what I grew up around. Um, cornfields, lifted trucks and, and, blowing black smoke everywhere Jason Aldean <laughs> baby <laughs> yeah yes sir and uh I don't know that's what I like and that's what that's what makes me feel at home so whatever I can do to 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 get that feeling I I do it as much as I can <laughs> and so there's obviously like a while that you don't feel like you can be yourself like, has it been on your mind for a while to where, like, you felt like... Because, hey, bro, I felt that same shit, man, when I moved to America and I was there. Like, I'd never I'd never worn those kind of clothes that I started wearing. I never even gave a fuck about clothes. <laughs> like, we we didn't have... Like, we that wasn't, like, a thing where we grew up. You know what I mean? Like, there was people that looked cool, but I wasn't one of them. And, yeah, man, I felt <laughs> that. I, I, I spent some fucking cash at Zoomies in that Temecula Mall trying to look like everybody else. I can tell you that. <laughs> But it's like, I don't know, was that shit on your mind for a while? And like, you kind of wanted to, this is what you wanted to be like, and you just felt like you couldn't or what, I guess, what was the thought process? Because again, it's like looking back with hindsight, man, like you needed to do this. Like this is, this has helped you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd say it's been on my mind quite a bit. I, I mean, I've always been the one to just I mean, I, I used to, I used to shop at, at, uh, Walmart for clothes when I lived in Georgia. I was just like, uh, I would go there and buy their whatever camouflage they had. And I, I probably still got it in my closet. Um, but yeah, there was, there was, uh, just this kind of, if I wore this out here, I, I felt like I, I would not get made fun of, but just like not really be accepted. Like <laughs> just mm. like be the outcast and, and not, uh, not really, I don't know, get accepted, I guess. <laughs> I guess that's, that's yeah. the biggest part of it. But, um, now that, now that I got a, a wife and a family, I'm not really trying to impress anybody but my wife sometimes, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I think, 
now thinking back just I thought I was sick I thought I was cool wearing those California clothes and, and then tight pants and I still have a couple pairs in my closet that uh I'll break out sometimes when I want to show the I want to show the booty off, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I just don't really wear that style anymore. I got, I got skate shoes. I'm Osiris rider, baby. Number one, <laughs> I'm bringing them back in the moto, <laughs> but, uh, I still got my boots in the closet. <laughs> no, I mean, it's a, it's a point like, if I've got any pull in this industry with this fucking silly podcast that I do, if there's any way that I can get a narrative out there and tell a story, it's to tell the story of Aaron Plessinger throwing away all the bullshit and being himself and it helping his results and it helping his career and growing his fan. Like, dude, what I what you're doing and what you did this year it's huge for the sport in my opinion because i know a lot of people that are like you dude you know and it's like it's a bummer man like i this this version of you is just so rad and it's (laughs) so cool to see you know like you you almost become like a representative for all the people that um felt the way that you did man you know like there's a lot of people that that do feel like they can't act like you know country if they're country or they can't act like a fucking bogan australian if that's what they are and and you know i feel like coop even like you kind of saw coop this year and as soon as you guys are in the east and in the south coop was like thanks to my southern fans you know and it's just like that sort of stuff is maybe overlooked or maybe not seen Mm. as as important as what it is but like it really is dude and the cowboy hat in opening ceremonies and (laughs) you know for you to embrace the you know your own style and like the thing that makes you you fuck dude thank you like it's so so needed and i hope i hope that you're one of the guys that can lead like a new generation of of guys that is gonna say like hey with all due respect factory boss man i'll do my shit i'll try not to cuss i'll try not to be a dickhead but i'm gonna wear a fucking cowboy hat i'm gonna have a fucking mustache and i'm sure as shit gonna run a mullet (laughs) well i appreciate that dude yeah that's uh that means a lot and um yeah i'm just i'm just trying to set an example for the kids that you know i mean weren't weren't really the the shit growing up like i i was never the shit growing up i was always a i was always just a medium top 10 guy and um you know i i just kept at it you know i kept at it kept working and eventually the the um the opportunity came and and i pounced on it and um yeah i'm just trying to to set a good example for for anybody that uh that wants to be in my shoes and and know that uh they can do it just keep being yourself don't uh don't change and and um be a (laughs) 
be a good damn version of yourself that's that's what i try to push yeah yeah man no, i'm all about it and and the coolest part of it all is that your results got better and i think that there is an important correlation there between feeling like yourself and feeling like you can be yourself and feeling the things that I'm sure you felt the night that you decided to shave in a mustache <laughs> and and results, you know, like, I, I mean, did you feel like, did it feel right then? And then do you think that those kind of things actually did add up to like the performances that we saw you have at the end of this year? Oh, I think season, so. Sorry. I, I, yeah, I, I think definitely because I mean, when, I don't, I don't know when when I try to be all I don't know clean cut and and dry and try and impress whoever I'm trying to impress that that's when shit falls apart and that's when I don't uh don't really get it done but when I'm feeling myself and I know I look good <laughs> I mean you look good you feel good you ride good <laughs> that's uh that's what uh my buddy tells me and uh man it's it couldn't be more right <laughs> yeah nah man so it, yeah it, it's cool man and, and it was something that i really wanted to try and you know like i said if there's any fucking influence that this thing has it's like that's a message worth getting out there to to writers you know like i mean I'm sure you know a bunch of people that are probably still kind of like in their shell a little bit. Like they're not really feeling, mm -hmm. you know, rider wise, like they don't feel like they can give away too much. I mean, Eli's probably a crazy example of that. Like, and this is, this is what, um, I can't remember who I was. Oh, I think I was talking about this with Deegan actually. And, um, cause he was saying like, he loved the jet thing where like jet flipped off Moseman over the finish line. And, and then there was a bunch <laughs> of people that hated that deal. And I was like, all right, this here is a real good example of kind of like the problem that we run into. So you get a kid that's acting a little bit out of pocket and, and then you want everyone just quick to like shit on him. And then what it does is it creates this environment where the next time he thinks of doing anything at all, even if it's not out of pocket, he's just going to go, ah, fuck, it's not worth it. And I think mm -hmm. that's what you see with Eli. It's like, I don't know who Eli is at all literally yeah the dude's got a helmet on when he races i know what he looks like i don't fucking know him i don't know anything about him i'd like to the dude's one of the most savage motherfuckers that's ever <laughs> on dirt bike don't know who he is and i bet i'd be willing to bet money that that is the feeling that he has like these people won't accept me if i run you know he would he would be a camo warm-up boy for sure you know mm -hmm dude hunts he i he lives in colorado i mean he that's that's all i know and i i think that shit's cool i think that shit is is so sick living out where he is i mean trains by himself obviously the dude has an insane amount of drive an insane amount of want but nobody really sees him outside of his shell you know, I don't think he's ever really came outside of his shell and and really been himself in in the limelight. Um, 
I could be wrong. We all could be wrong. It just might be who yeah, he sure. is. Just, just yeah, a quiet dude, and that's cool. Whatever. But um, I think, I think there's a little bit more to uh, to that guy. A little bit, a little bit more country style, as you'd say. I know he yeah. used to wear a cowboy hat. I seen the I seen the uh, the movie where he's lassoing his sixty five KTM. I've seen that dude. Right, many warriors uh, four baby. We need to we need to bring that out in him. <laughs> yeah, I, hey, I'm 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 all there with it. You know what they? You know what we need to do? This is what we need to pitch to Feld. We need opening ceremonies, right, Ronan? Let's make a note of this. No, <laughs> we need to pitch to Feld, right? Righto, we need a baby steer <laughs> down the star straight. We gonna get we gonna get that Eli Tomac. He's gonna wear a cowboy hat and he's gonna have a lasso. We're gonna have Johnny T on the start line. And he's going to rope that steer, baby. <laughs> that would be the dopest opening ceremony. Eli Tomac, star Yamaha, lasso, roping a steer. <laughs> dude, that would be insane. But, dude, hey, people would go crazy. Lose people it. would love that. Lose people it. would. It'd yeah. be like a rodeo in the middle of Supercross. I mean, that would that would, that would would draw more people to watch supercross and or attend an event i think i think 100%. if if you did stuff like that crazy stuff just off the wall instead of trying to be so i don't know what the word is like cookie cutter uh, yeah where i mean the suits are cool and everything but i think you add more hey, of that they, stuff more wild stuff yeah, but exactly. More of everything. More yeah. of everything. Yeah. Give me more suits. Just hey, Roxon in a suit, all about it. Roxon rocking up in that dope Honda, all about it. Give me that, but also give me your mullet and mustache. Mm-hmm. The cowboy hat and the cowboy boots. The buckle? Yeah. Did you ever see the buckle, dude? <laughs> well, I wish I had it on right now. Look at that buckle. Oh. Dude, I what, wish uh, I had it on what, right now. What would your, what would your, like, let's say you could have the most, like, out-of-pocket, opening ceremonies deal like what would it be oh it'd be riding dirt bikes somewhere probably uh, through the woods if i could chasing something with some guns (laughs) with some guns and some fireworks with a lot of guns and fireworks i would think that would be sick just jump out of the woods. Uh, yeah, shit, it could be quads even. I, I'll, I'll rip a utility quad to the woods. Um, but yeah, dude, you just imagine coming through the woods, just having somebody follow you through the woods or follow me through the woods, fast pace, and then all of a sudden, like, there's a big, like, I don't know, step down or something, something where you can't see me coming, and then fireworks... <laughs> Out of the, out of the side of the jump, when I jump it, somewhere in there, there's a gun shooting, and I'm just like, turn cowboy hat, cowboy boots on the quad, and then I land, the music's blaring, and then I just come out wide, fifth gear wide open on the start straight, just screaming. That would be unreal, dude. And then, and then, what we need to do too? We need to get one of those 
like bald eagle trainers you know they got like the little bit of meat and like the leather <laughs> the leather yeah glove. the leather glove <laughs> and then as, as you ride into the stadium you ever a big old panic rev and we just have <laughs> we got a bald eagle just flies in and lands on your shoulder as they're doing your interview <laughs> now that's an opening ceremony I'll, I'll pay to watch <laughs> <laughs> that would be insane, uh, dude. Yeah, dude, like failed. I, Let's make it happen, dude. They'll they'll video anything. Um, I think th- I was the only. I mean, I think they did something with Kenny uh, later in the season, but I think I was the only one they really shot an opening ceremonies video with. Like, I don't know why we don't do more of that like I don't know if you've seen the the opening ceremonies or yeah what were the opening ceremonies but um it was just all videos of the dudes riding or in the race and then they would ride out and then that's what was so sick about mine like you would have like Joey Marv uh, Jason Malcolm and then all of a sudden mine would kick on and you would just hear the country music and you would see me with my cowboy hat on. <laughs> and I thought that was so sick, dude. I thought it watching, like I would make it a point every time to like position myself somewhere where I could watch my video. That was, it was, un, it was unreal. I don't know. Did it's, you see my, my opening ceremonies video? Nah, I haven't seen it. Ooh, I'll have to, I'll have to get Can you say- to you. Yeah, send it to me. Uh, yeah, how do you get I don't it to know me? if it's... Yeah. Um, let me see. My dad did have it on Facebook, but... Uh, or Instagram <laughs> or something. Um, I'll look for it on Instagram. But um, yeah, it was just like me outside. We went into a boot barn um, in Dallas, I think it was, because that's the first place I could shoot. We went into the boot barn. We spent like two hours in there. Um, and then we, uh, yeah, here it is. We, we shot this video in like an hour and a half or like an hour and a half. Yeah. After we had been in the boot barn, we bought all the stuff and then I talked the dudes into, um, into buying cowboy hats for sales. I was like, dude, you should wear this on like filming on the track. And I saw them the next day and that they felt wouldn't let him. See, I think that would be sick to have just cowboy hats or whatever kind of hat you wanted to wear. Just like the filmers on the track, just let them be who they want to be. Like, don't make them wear a monster energy supercross hat. Like you already see that everywhere. Like you don't, you don't get to see any, anybody be their selves. Like, yeah, whether it be a writer or a filmer, like, just let everybody be themselves and I'm sure it would stem to people more people watching the sport more people just I don't know getting into oh, it oh definitely dude do you um yeah let's see this video real quick Should yeah yeah, yeah. so I don't know if you can hear it oh hell yeah dude on that big TV too 
How insane is that stadium, bro? That's so Texas. What the fuck? This looks like a boot bar commercial. <laughs> it should be. <laughs> Have you got a deal with boot barn yet out of this? Dude, I, I, I need to send him this video, honestly. The, the belt yeah, buckle. Dude, you it says, uh, <laughs> it says, it has a Liberty Bell in it, and it says, yeah. uh, le- or love it or leave it, and it has two American flags right <laughs> on the side. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the most America shit. Dude, you look fucking good. and then it comes out but yeah i love that that shit it's it's sick i think i think more of that and people would really really get into the sport i think it's uh definitely definitely a shame that we don't have more of it um but i was gonna say something earlier when when you were talking about jet um i've been like i i've been told so many times like when I was coming up because I've I've been like whatever I'm always smiling I'm never really like unless you see me mad I'm not not smiling yeah and I've been told so many times that dude you don't take it serious enough dude like when are you gonna like straighten up and and be serious about the sport and this and that. And I'm like, dude, you guys have no idea. (laughs) Like this sport is so serious in itself that if you don't, if I don't do what I usually do, I'll implode and I won't be a racer anymore. (laughs) Like I, I had one, I had one, um, incident and not incident I would call it like a f- episode really where uh, <laughs> it was in 2016 and I I, did, I was thinking about quitting I I mean I was second year pro and I was just like trying to be who everybody wanted me to be the serious racer blah 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 whatever and I was trying to be that, trying so hard to be that. And then it was just like, I hate this. Like I'm having zero fun. I was like, I was literally in my mind thinking like, what else could I do? What else could I do and make money? Like anything. And, and then after that, I literally, (laughs) I said, (laughs) it's going to sound bad, but I was like, dude, I'm gonna have a good ride or I'm having a I'm having a good night after this race no matter what happens like I'm having fun and I went out it was my best race like the second best race of the year and I went out and I had fun that night like I got fourth place it was a Southwick and I I was just like I'm done with it like I'm done being this robot guy and after that, I was like, I ain't doing it no more. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm having fun whether you tell me to or not. Like I can't work. I can't work like that. Like the, oh, I can't do this or, oh, maybe I should look this way. Like I ain't doing that. I don't care who you are. 
I'm I'm so glad for your sake that you decided to do that because I mean it's in every job dude like today like we're fucking killing it right now in terms of downloads and views and shit like that and I literally had this thought yesterday where I was like I don't think I could do like another month of this <laughs> like this is <laughs> really fucking hard <laughs> and like I went riding the other day and uh, my chain was so like too loose my fucking rear axle come off my clutch was slipped because like I'm just putting so much into the work and it's just like I've had this that mentality uh, and by the way I fucking love my job like this is literally the best job ever and that's why I do it and you probably feel the same mm. about moto right that like yeah. there's a point where fuck it's gotta be it's gotta be fun you've gotta be able to enjoy it and be yourself and it's like man if we don't if we don't do like a couple million downloads next month like i need to figure out a way to be okay with that you know because (laughs) this is a great fucking job and i think that you either like you said you either do it and figure out a way to do it and make yourself happy or you probably shouldn't do it And, and i don't want that example to sound like uh I don't like doing my job and this job. Like this is the fucking best job, but it sort of to your point of like, you can have the great job and you can be killing it and you can, but if you're not like finding out a way to make that fun for you, then it's not worth doing. Yeah, definitely. It's like, I mean, dude, yeah, you could be, you could be winning whatever you could be making whatever amounts of money you want. And if you, hate what you're doing you could hate your life no matter how great it seems no matter how much fun people think you're having like if you yourself are not making the time to I guess just be you and and do what makes you happy then you're you're never gonna be happy yeah it's funny man that whole um that whole like you can't have fun after a race fuck that sucks dude like it 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 really is a shame like you can't even really talk about drinking beers like that that culturally that's out of the sport like that's not a thing where and man when i first got to america i would party every single weekend after the races with riders and they were riders (laughs) that were winning and are still winning like we'd get fucked up and it'd be fun but no one got like blacked out drunk or you know dumb shit no one's getting in fights no one's carrying on but we'd be at a bar we'd be listening to music and we'd be looking at chicks we'd be talking to chicks and we'd be talking a whole bunch of shit between us all thinking we were the funniest motherfuckers in (laughs) gas lamp or in old town temecula yeah and it was like fun dude you know and that just dude it evaporated and then like i ended up just being at the bar with jason fucking wygan <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> no disrespect to jason wygan i love that motherfucker but he ain't helped me get pussy. <laughs> yeah and I, yeah i know and and it's it's a shame it's a like a damn shame that like whenever anybody does see anybody out 
having drinks or having a beer or whatever, they, hey, it's ending up on Twitter. Look yeah. at this guy. Yeah, look at this guy. He's he's not taking it serious. He's not, he's not. Yeah. He doesn't appreciate what he has. Like, dude, to hell with all that. Like, you can you can do all your training you want and like not be having the greatest time and you can be whatever like you can you can be the best guy in the world but dude if you're like i said earlier if you're if you're not enjoying yourself you're never going to do what you want you're yeah probably going to just fizzle but yeah yeah it's a, it's a, it's a damn shame that uh that you can't go out and have a have a quiet drink every now and then. <laughs> and the thing is too, like, so there's there's um, I mentioned Wygant. He ain't a fucking rat. But there's like media guys that they want to make their career, like their name gets made off like being a fucking rat essentially. And it's like they all we all stay at the same hotels. If you're at a fucking hotel bar, everyone's at that hotel bar. If you're at you know, like the when you're doing an outdoor national, like there ain't that many bars to pick from. There ain't that many restaurants to go to. Like there's fuck, oh, there's yeah. fucking rats that are around that are gonna tell. You know, they'll post some shit on Twitter or they'll fucking say whatever on a podcast or whatever, and that gets them ratings and that bumps up them. But then yeah. I feel like there's this whole little weird fucked up cycle that's kind of been going on for a few years where the it's what it's done is it's made you guys like pull back from everybody and show less and less and less and less and less and less and then you just get this cookie cutter mold that we kind of see now like that robot dude you know like that's and the thing is is like that's so easy to follow now the fuck we've got the we got the blueprint you just be that guy it's easy you can go on autopilot and be that guy and then there's nothing you got to think about then you have all your fun in private you don't get to enjoy shit with your team you don't get to enjoy shit with other riders and and then because you know that there's like those rap media dudes out there that will say like dude i saw ap at the fucking bar at one o'clock at night even if you weren't drinking you know what i mean and then they're making their career up off that and then you remember that dude you know that guy and then he comes around for an interview and you're like yeah man it was good like the the bike was great even when we know that that bike was a piece of shit and you're like, ah, the bike was good and this is good. And you just, and then you're out of there. You don't want to give that dude nothing. And then that guy is the one that tells the rest of the sport, like, Oh man, the Plessinger doesn't give you much. Plessinger doesn't say a lot these days. You know, like they, you end up in like this weird relationship. So there's like a lot of, there's a lot of things that come into play. I think that, that do stop a lot of guys being, themselves or enjoying their careers like i definitely know riders and this is what worries me for a guy like tomac and again i don't know him i got literally nothing bad to say about the guy i don't know whether i'm on point or whether i'm so far off the mark that it's not funny but i i'm worried that he's going to be a guy that when his career is done he's going to look back and be like didn't really get the most out of that like I won a lot of races, I made a lot of money, I won a lot of championships, but like it's like you go into the office when you just don't like a ton of people that you work with. 
And that ain't fun for anybody, even if you're a dude that's like getting the promotions and getting uh, pay rises. You know what I mean? Like if the office environment sucks, like it's kind of weird. Yeah, it's definitely. That's that's like what I what I've been trying to say. Like I if if you don't like anybody you work with or 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 are with, like that's when people get transferred in real jobs. Like if you yeah. if you don't like if if nobody is gelling at at an office job, like they'll they go to whoever HR or whatever yeah. it is like, yeah, you're out of there. Yeah. Like, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I could say for myself, I try to, I try to insert myself wherever and try and make the most friends I can and try and stay as grounded as, and as happy as, I can be, you know, everybody, Yeah. everybody says, you know, have a, have a small circle and, you know, tight, tight circle. Yeah, maybe. But my overall circle, man, <laughs> I got more friends than I know what to do with. <laughs> like, and That's I'm so close sick. with most of them. And yeah, you know, I, I don't know. People would call my circle big, but I think it's, it's working for me. <laughs> it's it's a it's yeah. a good time too yeah dude no it, it is cool and, and yeah there's not a lot of people that i know that would say a bad word about you um what we started like you started with the jet thing like so do you see something in jet that makes you think that he's doing something different or uh no no i i dig the kid i like him and his brother um they're sick and i I, I wouldn't change a thing about them. Uh, I think they're doing their thing. They're being their self. Uh, I think Jet is, a, I think Jet's staying himself a little bit more than, uh, than Hunter is. I don't, I don't know him either, either way. I, I think, um, I think they're both awesome riders. Uh, I like their style. I like how they uh, they gel with one another and and mess with uh, each other on the podium <laughs> and uh, you know I I see a lot of potential in both of them and um, yeah I like it I like it a lot and I like uh, I like where their futures are headed. So have you um have you I want to I want to do some marketing right now with you just a little yeah. little brainstorm. Have you ever? Do you watch UFC at all? You like a fight fan? Uh, a little bit. I used to. Um, I used to a lot. Me and my buddy Ethan would uh, would watch almost every fight. Um, but now, like Diaz and and uh, McGregor and and uh, <laughs> all the all the 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 top name dudes that I used to watch are are kind of out of it. But um, I I still I like. Uh, Cody Garbrandt and um yeah I can't I can't remember who else but Cody Garbrandt's sick and then I I don't know if I think Yo Yoel Romero is is gone I liked him as well um but I always I always like watching him when Joe Joe uh Rogan does the uh commentating the commentary he makes it like dude he makes it like pop 
But other than yeah. that, I, I don't no, know what you're doing. No, dude, 100%. <laughs> um, so, have, you know who Cowboy Cerrone is? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know him. He's badass. So, this is this is what we're doing. We're, we're just, this is like, we've, we're in a meeting right now. He's sponsored by Monster. You're sponsored by Monster. Okay. He's the cowboy of the UFC. He's got a ranch in New Mexico. I feel Woo-hoo. like we need to get AP on his ranch in New Mexico. We'll get Dirt Shark, Ryan Walters to film it, and then we'll get Donald Cerrone to teach AP how to really be country. Because he's been running that shit for so long, dude. And I honestly <laughs> think a video with you and Donald Cerrone would be like the dopest Monster Energy collab that could possibly go down. That would be unreal. Hey, I'm down for anything. <laughs> I'd like to learn how to uh, put somebody in a couple chokeholds too, so I think that would benefit me <laughs> if I ever need to, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, hey. But, yeah, that would be arm, sick. <laughs> Dos chokes all Yeah, they day. say they're, they're, they're good for, for wrestling, you know. I got a lot of reach. I can, I can move you around. You got that leverage, boy. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I think I think – that's the kind of shit where like you know because i'm i'm fully like drinking the kool-aid on this ap like this is a guy that i want around <laughs> for a real long time and i i think that you know we, we sort of talked before about like uh you know to make the sport bigger and bringing new fans and stuff like that it's like a dude like donald cerrone has the craziest fan base because he never wavered from what he believed in and who he was and he never really wanted to fit in that box and it's funny like you you parallel his career with yours and it's like he just got more and more and more country like he just let it he's like this is who the fuck i am and then as he went on and he went on he got more and more fans and like this whole his brand and his personality and his standing with this in the sport to the point like he fought conor mcgregor and it's like he fought the biggest shit talker on planet earth and mcgregor did not say one thing about him nothing couldn't find a thing to say about him that was that was negative so like you know and i I see that in you like i feel like we could walk along the line of a 450 main event and i'd be like talk shit on ap and everybody be like the fuck you talking about get out of here and uh, (laughs) so i think yeah that that's the kind of cool shit where i think that you know some of those kind of collabs and i know he's a wild man like he rides dirt bikes and jet skis and so anyway that's my little that's my little on-air pitch i feel like we can work that one out that would be sick i mean i would honestly be so down because that dude is one hell of a badass and uh i haven't met i don't i don't uh i mean other than you know i messaged uh garbrand a few times but other, other than that I I haven't uh, met or been around any like real UFC guys, so I think that would be uh, that would be insane, dude. I bet I bet he'd be down to to come and like ride a bike and shit with you too. Like, can you imagine if we got him to fly out and do like a ride day or something with you, dude? That would be sick. I know he. Um, I know. Uh, D Francesco, the writer D, he yeah, knows yeah. him. Yeah, he knows him pretty good. Really, I think. I'm pretty huh. sure they. He's done like a photo shoot with, uh, with um, Donald and and some chick UFC 
fighter, but yeah, they've, they've, um, they, he's known him for quite a while. I think I saw him post when he was on like 65s or something like 85s or something like that. No, I was like, that's gnarly. Yeah. You check it out. Check, uh, Ryder D's should have it on his Instagram. I mean, he, I think I can't remember. It was before one of the fights. He, uh, he shouted him out, but, um, yeah, that would be, that would be insane. If we can get that done, I would, uh, I would eat that shit up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so sick. Yeah. I feel like that's a dirt shark video that could be quite possibly made. Oh yeah. And dirt shark would be all about it too. He'd, yeah. he'd bring it in. He'd, uh, he'd make it, he'd make it wide open as always. Yeah, and I feel like I feel like Star would be the kind of team where you could make something happen like that too, where they could fly you guys out or they'd fly him out or whatever, put him on a bike because I know he'd be all about that shit. Like he's a you know he's got dirt bikes and quads and jet skis and wakeboards and all that shit. Damn, I'm I'm down to do all those. <laughs> yeah, if I that, can't do it, like I'll the, learn. <laughs> yeah, well that's the that's the kind of crossover stuff that. We, we sort of miss a lot of times in the sport you know like i feel like it's just very like you said man it's just so calculated it's monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday like the schedule's so packed in and there's just not a lot of like room for deviation but man i just think you, you know you get a you get on like a video with him or it's like the ufc is involved in, and like that's the kind of crossover type stuff that can that's the new audience you know like you can chip away at things and i feel like i'm trying to chip away with the podcast thing and hope that a cool thumbnail pops up on some random dude that doesn't really know much about motocross and that's like a way to get new people in but you know for you to go across and do something on that lane like bang dude you're just you've injected yourself to this whole new audience and there's a lot of opportunities out there like that you know yeah yeah definitely i mean all it takes is one good video. I mean, I'll, I'll, actually, I take that back. All it takes is one video that people find interesting or yeah. entertaining. Because, dude, I've seen so many videos that I'll watch. I mean, other than kid videos. But I'll watch it and be like, dude, what? what am I watching? Like, what is going on in this? And I'll click on them, like, just to see how many likes or views it has. Some 10, 20 million, something like that. I'm like, dude, what? Why? Like, something in this has to, like, people have to correlate with it for it to yeah, even blow up halfway. But these, these yeah. videos that, that, people watch like you just have to find what people think are or is entertaining and you got yourself a viral video right there <laughs> yeah i know I especially get on like platforms and shit like tiktok where they're pretty much just trying to make people viral <laughs> yeah literally <laughs> like <laughs> i've seen some stuff on tiktok that is stupid like just off the wall like (laughs) 
and it has a <laughs> million likes, a million, a million likes Millions, and million. 50,000 comments. And it's just boom, 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 growing, growing, growing. Everybody sees it. And you just, you just need that right person to see it or that, <laughs> that right hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> so what, uh, want to switch gears a little bit to like your career like what summer if you take away like championships and all that sort of stuff like is there any moments where you were just like holy shit i got the coolest job like was it you know like motocross nations when you dyed your hair all crazy and i mean that that actually probably wasn't the best weekend are there any like well what what are some of like the crazy good highlights for you that that have come out of racing that might be like you know, not what you expect, not race wins and shit like that. Um, uh, I would say just, I don't know, like the, the people I've met, um, the people I've met through racing, um, and then the, just the, the times that I've had, while in the industry, like some good, some bad, but just like some of the highlights, I would just, hmm, that's a tough one. I would say. I think you're right about the people thing, dude. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the people that I've met are, are insane. I mean, they're, they're such good people. I mean, you meet some bad apples at the times, but once, like I've I've just met a lot of people that I still like am really close with today that I just, I don't know. I like them and, and you don't really find the kind of friendship to, that we have just anywhere. Um, yeah. Racing has led me to some of my best friends, if not some of my only friends, you know, like I, yeah. I wouldn't have a lot of these friends or a lot of my boys. Like I, I have a few of my really good buddies that I, that I still talk to at home, but, um, did the friends that I've made out on the road, like me and, um, do you know who, uh, Jace Owen is? Yeah. 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 So I met him. This, this is super fucking hot too. Is she still hot? <laughs> I was mess with Jason. <laughs> but uh <laughs> she's too hot. Fuck yeah. <laughs> but um no, oh, yeah, sorry, like <laughs> we have been friends. I met him at the uh, I'm pretty sure it was at the KTM challenge in Indianapolis in like oh four i believe it was oh, 50 and yeah and uh dope and he he ended up went or yeah he ended up winning the whole thing went to vegas and won the won the whole deal which is his uh ktm champion 50 is still in his parents basement i think but uh, uh dude we've been friends since then ever since then we would we would go months at a time, even like years at a time without seeing each other, we come back as soon as we see each other, boom. It's like, we never skipped a beat. And 
I mean, I, I wouldn't have that if it weren't for racing. And still to this day, I talked to him on, I talked to him on the phone today actually. And, um, yeah, it's like, I don't know. I, I just, I just cherish that. And, and, uh, I think this sport has brought me a lot more off the track than, than it has, uh, on it so far. Mm. So. Yeah, and it's cool to recognize that too, you know? Like, I feel like I feel like one of the things from, from talking to you for, in this conversation is that the important shit that a lot of people will take away from their career, you, you've actually kind of, like, figured out a way to appreciate it during your career. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And I, I always try to live in the moment I guess that's very over like I don't know how you say it like cliche yeah yeah cliche uh but I do I I always try and just take a step back and and just realize where I am in life and how how really awesome I have it and that's what kind of kept me going through the whole heel thing um Mm. that's that's what really I mean really the past two years um I just kind of try to take a step back and just look at what I have and if it weren't for what I was doing um you know I would wouldn't have all this stuff so I just I really really appreciate what one what people have done for me to get me to where mm. I am right now and then two just what I have um I know it could be a lot worse and a hell of a lot worse you know um so I really really try to appreciate everything that I got and um yeah it's it's pretty damn cool and what's your what's your trigger with that like do you have a point where you're maybe you're let's say if if the goal is to stay in the moment do you have a trigger when you're out of the moment and in your head or whatever and you've got like what's the thing that snaps you into that mode where you want to be um yeah i think whenever i get like i don't know i i i really just kind of it comes really natural but usually usually it really comes like when I'm either driving or just alone in general and like say I'm I'm driving in the truck just singing and a and a song comes on that just like I don't know like just triggers thoughts in my head just to just to like remember what you got it's it just it just clicks something and i'm like damn i got the best life ever like you're the damn man like keep doing you and it, it's always it's always a good feeling when i'm getting good results and getting these good things and like i feel like it just stems off of each other like when i'm driving in the truck yeah having a hell of a time singing 
and then I'd go out and ride like a madman. And then, yeah, it just plays hand in hand. Like, I don't know. It just, it's a good time. <laughs> it's, I, I love it. Like I can't, can't get enough of it. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's, it's like the, what's the saying? Like gratitude is the attitude, but it's so true, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you will have once like, not saying you personally, but once, once you realize that uh, everything is like great. I mean, you'll have some bad moments, but dude, life is, life is awesome and just live it to the fullest and you'll be, uh, <laughs> you'll have some damn fun <laughs> and, and keep being yourself. <laughs> what so what what sort of stuff like away from the the track as like gets you kind of pumped like are you like a football guy you like a like what's the what's the downtime like for you yeah i mean um i i definitely like um college football college football uh my wife got me into it when (laughs) the year i turned pro uh the fall that fall bulldog baby but I'm, I'm, I'm more of a Ohio state fan than, than bulldogs. I was going to say so there's some of the Ohio it's state like, people out there that are, it's like bulldogs, Ohio state, <laughs> like maybe two good, this. two good teams though. <laughs> oh yeah. Two great teams. I love watching them both. Um, it just, yeah, it makes me, makes me happy when my, my bucks are doing good. I was very, very disappointed <laughs> though last year, last year or whatever, whenever the, uh, the, the national championship game was, I was, that was a rough one to watch. I got blown out yeah, by Alabama. Hot wrencher for you. Have Ooh. you, um, have you, have you been into Athens to, to watch, uh, um, like to watch college football, like in the, cause is that Athens is where the Bulldogs are at, right? Yeah. So, you know, what's funny is, uh, I'm pretty sure it's, it's Athens is where the Bulldogs are and Athens, Georgia. And then Athens, Ohio is where the Ohio state Buckeyes are from. Yeah. No way. (laughs) So I, it's very odd. (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah. I only know that because whenever I used to go stay with Wes, so we, (laughs) I've never been and watched a game, but we used to just go into Athens and uh, and just like be around <laughs> the town while the football games were on. Dude, like coming from Australia, man, I could not believe what that shit was like. Like the the fraternity houses that are everywhere, and then you go to the <laughs> bars and like, man, I've been in some trouble <laughs> around college football games. Dude, yeah, dude, I I was always um, too young, but we would go up to, um, this track in, in Athens, Ohio. And, uh, we would go out to eat and it would be, I don't know, Friday and Saturday night, dude. And the beer pong tables, the everything like, dude, just trash everywhere. Like it was, it was such a party town and you would go in these restaurants and just see just college kids just trashed. And at the time I was like <laughs> 10 years old and I was like, 
look at these idiots. <laughs> these, these guys don't know <laughs> that anything. Can't be any like, fun. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that's but, not fun. Lo and behold. <laughs> <What's going on>? <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, we would we would always go <clears throat> up there and see that stuff and and then like getting to actually go to a college town and and have a good time because my parents now they live uh they live in Hamilton, Ohio still, but it's like five miles from one of the bigger party schools, Oxford, Ohio. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, safe to say I've been up there a time or two. <laughs> <sighs> I love it. I ain't mad at it. But yeah, it's, it's a good time. But to answer your question, I've only been to one football game and oh, what? Yeah, yeah. Like I didn't become uh, a football fan until 2015. Like I would watch them with my dad, same when, with like like NASCAR and stuff. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> other than or like talking college, I never really was a fan. I knew the Buckeyes were always really sick. Like they had so many championships or whatever. But in 2015, my wife now she made the mistake of turning on college football while we were on like vacation and safe to say I watched every single game I think that season <laughs> I was wow. hooked, dude it was it was insane yeah I had just I had like SEC network going on I was like watching the big 10 at the same time it was it was it was a trip <laughs> dude i i went full force into it yeah dude but, I, oh I, yeah, I yeah. Miss. I was, uh, what was it yeah well i the rose bowl the rose bowl in 2018 yeah. the highest scoring rose bowl i think to date maybe i don't know who who played but, in that game Oklahoma and Georgia and Georgia won yeah, right. by it was double overtime. I think maybe. Yeah, I was double overtime and it was the first, I want to say it was the first overtime in Rose bowl history. I may be wrong, but there was something about that game that made it like huge. And Dude, this game was unbelievable. Like the best ever, the best case scenario you would ever go to in a football game. That was it. And it was so sick. There was so many people from both sides, but it was the way that they played. It was with so much energy and the crowd was so into it, and then I don't know. They ended up winning set the double overtime, and it was everybody went insane, insane. Was it? And so that was your first one. Yeah, first one, and Dude. I haven't been since. 
Damn, that's insane. That's a crazy experience for your first football game. Dude, it was, yeah. She, uh, my, my wife goes, now the next one, don't get upset because it's going to be nothing like this. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, maybe yeah, that one just... will be my last. <laughs> yeah, that, that's got to be weird. Eh? Like, what do you do at that point? It's just like, do you just never go to another game now? It's like, that's oh, peak dude. experience. Like, you just did the DMT of college football games. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. The pinnacle of <laughs> the pinnacle of college football games. And yeah, it was, it was insane. And I couldn't even drink either. I was in a, I was in a, the, um, what's it called? The, the championship hunt. And that was our only, um, that was our only weekend off in, I think that was, I don't know. It was like our last weekend off or something like that. And in the 250 series, I can't, I can't remember, but at some reason I could not drink and I still had to, (laughs) I had a, I had a damn blast. It was, it was so fun, but now I just go for the pre-games. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That was, yeah, man, that, that must've been such a sick experience. Like my, uh, my supercross, like my, uh, I guess the parallel supercross experience was I was in Atlanta when Chad and James tried to fucking murder each other. And I was like third row in the turn where Chad just like cleaned Jimmy out. And I, I thought that place was going to fall over, dude. And after that, I remember... I partied balls that weekend too. Like I absolutely <laughs> fucking sent it. And I had so much, it was actually like, it was actually one of the full gypsy weekends where like that gypsy <laughs> moniker was, it was part of like the legacy of that, that weekend. Like I remember DMXS used to have their, their Atlanta party every Friday night. And I remember oh, yeah. going, I remember going to this DMXS party looking like a fucking idiot <laughs> like wearing this just just deplorable flano from zoomies and like a beanie like looking like a fucking socal bro dude and uh and then it was still thick verb days and uh west just followed me around this uh the verb party making like a vlog of me like interviewing people and it just turned into Wes asking every chick at this bar to make out with me <laughs> and so we walked around this fucking but this nightclub in Atlanta Wes has been like can you make out with my my boy Ozzy on camera and then I just fucking made out like 300 chicks that night ended up taking a chick home got got to supercross like late didn't have any press credentials nothing dude i just did the old like camera bag camera on the tripod on the shoulder on the phone walked past security got into the pit and then uh watched that race craziest race i've ever seen in my entire life and then you remember at the old stadium how you used to have to get like it was so far back to the pits oh yeah uh, yeah so you used to go yeah you used to have to get in like the mule like you'd walk down the security dude to check your hard pass and then you'd get in the the mule and then you'd have to drive it was like two kilometers it was like a three quarters of a mile back to the to the other um to where the pits were 
anyway, I had no press, no credentials out. Didn't even have a ticket for Supercross. Like <laughs> I was fucked. And Nate Ramsey was the team manager at the time. And uh, and then so Nate all see like we're pretty deep into the season at this point. And Nate's like, dude, you've really got to get this media credential shit figured out. Like I'm getting a bit tired of like the way that you're just walking around here every week without a ticket. You're giving me anxiety. Like he was over it. <laughs> and then. So we're there, dude, and the, that race finishes craziest race ever. And uh, yeah, I was like, all right, I got to get back to the pits. But the problem, it was freezing outside too. I'm like, I need to get back to the pits because I don't even have a ticket for Supercross. Like, I can't get back in anywhere after this. So anyway, I was just standing in line with Nate. Nate's got his hard card, hard card on, and he's like this is it dude this is the day that you finally get what's coming to you man like i'm i'm not gonna help you you can stand out in the cold like we'll pick you up in the rental car once we're done packing up the truck and i'm just sitting there like head down just like oh man you fucked up and uh so we get there and it's like two dudes to go to this security guy and this guy has like a full plate of uh full plate of pizza and a beer in his hand and then he starts like i don't know what he was doing but he tries to like reach and get his ticket with like the pizza hand and then drops the pizza and then like spills this whole thing of beer on this security guard and nate being the good dude that he is stayed in line i fucking jumped the fence and I was just like, peace, oh. I'm out. This is my, this is my, my chance, slippery gypsy stuff. <laughs> and, uh, and then anyway, Doc Bonner gives me a lift back. Ramsey has to walk back <laughs> this mile to the truck. Completely over me. Anyway, night goes on. Have a crazy after party night. And then the next morning, I oversleep. And I'm like, oh, cool. I'm missing my flight. So then uh, Nate is like calling me ty simmons is calling me everyone's calling me i'm asleep in the hotel everyone's checked out at the airport already i wake up late as fuck see all these missed calls and i'm tripping and you know when you're so late for a flight you don't even bother trying to make the flight no yeah yeah you you just like i woke up i was like oh. Oh, okay i guess i'm gonna have to book a new flight so i just moseyed on <laughs> like <laughs> packed up all my shit took a shower had a coffee anyway i get and then you have to take like the the monorail tram thing to the airport and uh <laughs> anyway i get down into the lobby and uh and dean wilson and his parents are there they've got a rental car and they're like oh just jump in with us so anyway just get to the airport in like record time which was pretty cool get to the airport <laughs> the flight's been delayed all the boys got up at like 4 a.m to get to this super early flight this thing's been delayed till 10 i rock up at 9 45 <laughs> <laughs> with like a bagel and another coffee looking fresh as fuck and then i get like zone one on the thing and like the whole team's on southwest zone four and i'm in like the second row of this plane just sitting there with my bagel and my coffee listening to my music and all these boys are walking back and so I was like, all right, I don't ever need to go to Supercross again. I'm completely done on the, <laughs> this Supercross. I just witnessed the greatest race ever. Just had the sickest weekend. Everything went right when it should have went wrong. And I'm retired. <laughs> uh, that that sounds like a, a perfect weekend. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's literally how... I mean, other than... Uh, having the greatest time ever <laughs> um 
after <laughs> after and before the race. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much how I feel about college football games. The now. Rose Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I just I just don't need to go to another one. Yeah, I'll just sit back and watch it on the TV. <laughs> Drink my beer oh, at home. <laughs> So, uh, so outdoors, you're uh, you're gonna wreck shop or what? That's the plan. Like, it's I, I sense some I sense some confidence. That is the plan, um, dude. I've been feeling unreal. Um, been riding great. Fitness is good. Two thirty fives, no problem. I mean, sometimes I get a little tired, but <laughs> sometimes I get a little tired, but. Uh, who doesn't? It's an hour and ten minutes of riding. So, um, no, I I feel really really good. The bike feels really really good. Um, I'm in a good spot everywhere around. Um, starts are getting better. Uh, I came to think of it last. How can you still Tuesday. be shit at starts at this point? Oh, dude. Well, I thought of it the other day. I haven't done a start on dirt since iron man uh. 2019 no 20 what 20 yeah 2019 because last year i broke my wrist in whatever uh like a couple weeks before the um season started yeah and i don't think it? i yeah i don't think i did a start like that was, it was like a long time since I started on the dirt and it was like weird. You wouldn't think it was weird, but not doing it and starting on greats for the last two years or year and a half only. It'll definitely get you. That's why I don't yeah. like the greats. I mean, <laughs> dirt starts are better. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man, that's crazy. Yeah, because I'm sitting there thinking, you're like, oh, I'm kind of struggling with starts. I'm like, how, dude? Just fucking practice. <laughs> yeah, do yeah. a heap of them, but <laughs> wreck some clutches. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they uh, they're there. I mean, I was I was killing them the other day, so I I got the I got the gist of it down. All I need to do is get out on the track, and I'll I'll wreck them. <laughs> oh, dude, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited to watch. Uh, watch ap outdoors it'll be cool for outdoors i feel like uh i feel like this supercross season was a long one yeah yeah definitely it felt like it, it felt like it went by fast but after after the fact like sitting at the house i was like damn it's been a while it's been a while since i could yeah. chill and um yeah i think i think outdoors is gonna be it's gonna be sick it's gonna be I don't know. I haven't done it in a while, so I, uh, I'm ready to I'm ready to duke it out. Yeah, what well, do you think about it? Last time you rode a outdoor track, you were the champ, right? Yeah. Well, no, I I uh, I rode I rode. Ah, uh, uh, so you did South. Oh yeah, that was 18. Yeah, that was 18. So yeah. The last time I rode, I got a little sick and had to pull off. So, but I'm still oh, the really? champion, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> who, who said that? I'm still the champ. I'm still number one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like McGregor. Something McGregor would say. Yeah, pro- yeah probably. Or like Ricky Bobby. Oh, Ricky Bobby. 
Number one. <laughs> <laughs> well, AP, I kept you for three hours, my bro. Um, I'm pretty stoked that we got to do this one. Um, I know I dragged you into some waters that you probably didn't really want to say too much, so apologize. All good, dude. Apologize You're for good. That. I love it. I need to talk about it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we, we didn't talk about some other stuff that maybe next year you can come back and talk about but um i'm down <laughs> but but yeah man like honestly keep doing you i know you will you don't need me to tell you that but uh personally as a super fan of this sport um just that fucking cowboy hat and mustache seemed to make it a whole lot better for me every saturday night so uh keep doing that <laughs> shit will do man i uh i appreciate you having me on here and um yeah, I'd like to do it again sometime soon. So let me know. And uh, yeah, thanks again. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, that, that chair is yours literally whenever you want it. And if you ever got something <laughs> to say, or if, if any time there's something being said that isn't quite right, let me know. And uh, you can get back in that chair and say whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's what I like. That's what I like to hear, baby. <laughs> ah man i appreciate you thank you so much aaron plessinger ladies and gentlemen the people's champ Boom. <laughs>